Dudes at Ringside podcast with Joe DePanza Jr. and the Metal Geek. Who knows what you'll be in store for? Who knows what I'll be in store for? I don't even know. Maybe, just maybe, if you're good enough, there might be some races in it for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sit back and enjoy. And don't forget, never look under the covers. Good. Hi, everybody. Good night, everybody. And welcome to Dudes at Ringside Podcast. I am your host, Joe Panther Jr. And now introducing the happy heel himself, Metal Geek. What's going on, Ringside crew? What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Joe, what's going on? Oh, man. That's another insane day to be a, a wrestling fan. SmackDown was pretty good. Uh-huh. Pretty good. We, Selena Vega returned, right? Yeah, another big return. Selena Vega returns to WWE, Ke- but we Kevin permanent. You know, they they could be they could be they could be sliding us to the side again. You know what I mean? Kevin Owens uh, versus Sami Zayn, awesome. That match. was a good match. That's why yeah. I say well, SmackDown pretty good. But, but um, we're not here yeah. to talk about SmackDown, right? Yeah, we, we're not here to talk about SmackDown. Rain was we we had a fun rainstorm earlier this morning, but now it's time for story time. Let's give a warm welcome back to our friend from the padded room, Damien Dragon. What's up? <laughs> back. You gave us the cross eyed there. <laughs> I was like, ah, you're stuck like that. <laughs> camera one or camera two? <laughs> yeah, welcome back, Samir. It's, so- oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I haven't melted this week. <laughs> so uh you, you haven't been here all man now we're internationally known on all these freaking social media things mm-hmm. so, like, we're not only on twitch we're on facebook we're on youtube now we're on spotify spot podbean and iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's funny because i was at work the only reason we got um iHeartRadio now radio radio uh, that's what they did in the commercial. <laughs> I hear radio, radio. I was sitting at the deli looking at the fried chicken, and me and my boss were talking about where, where, where are you, where are you, where can I watch you? And I said, this, this, that, Spotify. And then as he's saying, he's like, are you guys on? He puts his hand up as it's going, I heart radio, radio. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> he's like, why? <laughs> Not <then> yet. Like, <laughs> oh, maybe soon. And now he's I went home and he's like, really? And I said, really? The like, idea the idea was Joe, but leave it to geek right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I pushed him in front of the the the, the, the fireball table. You you do it. You do it. <laughs> as as Damien's dragging Joe up lands up the ladder to take out to get thrown through that that non-real the real table. <laughs> That's still pain. Every, every time I regularly call that one, it still hurts. I mean, it was it was, <laughs> it was funny leading up to it, but like, oh my god, it <laughs> hurt. God, that hurt. Do, that do you like it? Like one of the most painful. 
did you laugh about it now or uh, after after 20 years, 15 years, whatever it was? Or do you still say, damn, that really did hurt? And you still oh, feel no, I still say, damn, that hurt. Because like I said, I really, I couldn't really walk for like a couple of days. <laughs> I, was like, I my, my, my whole uh, left side from like my ribs to my hip were discolored and bruised. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I was shot. Jeez. Oh, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of funny moments leading up to it and everything like that. So <laughs> it was good. Just so John. John. John's here. The party <laughs> started. John's here. <laughs> the song man. The song it's it's man. all no, Joe. It's only getting started. It's like, only. It's it, like the comments just arrived. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna uh, find out later on today. We'll probably get more people. So. Yeah. Like Very it, cool. it, it's. It's interesting when you first start. When we started this out. We were just did the Raws and Smackdowns. Now, where like Raws? I used to love Monday. Monday Night Raw was my getaway from the world. And now lately, I'm like, let's just get guests because we, we don't <laughs> want to cry every Monday night after Raw. Going, oh my god, what did I just watch? <laughs> let's just get. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't want to cry. I used to get really excited. Didn't you? Like in, when you were I younger? Mean, I, I, I honestly thoroughly expect, well, hope, but actually expect once the live crowds start returning, it's going to be a big turnover. Because there's apparently like Vince is aware that the, where the product is at. And, you know, they've been holding off a, a few things purposely for live audiences. Because they want that live reaction, they want that real pop and everything like that. You know, that's why they've they've held off on Becky coming back, and they want Becky to come back in front of people. They want Brock to come back in front of people. You know, so they've been holding. On. It's only a couple more short weeks, couple more short weeks till that first SmackDown at MSG. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, me and Geek were like talking about it. We were talking, and he said he he brought up like he wanted to do it. He's like Joe Garden, and I said Geek, no. He said. We have guests that day. I'm like, we have two guests that day. Shush. <laughs> One guy. Um, we have a girl from the West Coast. And we got. I have a, uh, we got three messages, Lance. <laughs> I don't know three who they're messages. from. It's one girl. Here we go. Where's I? I I'm got my my mom doesn't look at myself and with all these pictures of wrestlers. We have her. She's from the West Coast. Okay. Hey, she, she said, choose two pictures, and I was like, okay. I don't like. I hate choosing pictures. And then I chose this one too, because it there looks you go. Fun. Well, you should you should choose something where you can see the person's face. The mask doesn't help. Yeah, it does not. Mm. Like, and like I hate I I kind of don't like choosing pictures for wrestlers because that's why I message them. Can you send us a picture that you would like us to promote you? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Get, what if I choose a picture from like five years ago and she has an outfit with the flower on it and now she's goth? Like the chick from Boy Meets World when the the, the sweet girlfriend, yeah, you know, the, yeah, episode, yeah. the one that plays the, the sweet girl playing the guitar, and then she yeah. he breaks up with her and she becomes a psycho, like that. What if I get a girl that used to be a, a general like everyday uh, America's sweetheart, and then she turned heel and becomes this psycho like Victoria? Yeah, she's gonna go. I didn't want that outfit. Damn it, Milford and her guns. <laughs> Shut up. Or Dam- anything Damien Dragon here. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? This guy that comes on the podcast, 
Uh, he came on a podcast last night for Geek's birthday, might I add, yesterday. Happy belated, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Happy fourth, by the way, to, to everybody. So it, Absolutely, absolutely. I know somewhere in the back of Geek's mind, he just fanboyed out because Damien Dragon, oh my God, Damien Dragon has wished me happy birthday. <laughs> somewhere in the old Lance with the braces went, oh my God, oh my God, Damien Dragon just said happy birthday to me. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, like for us, seeing you in the ring and then now you guys all do promos for us. For me, 18, like 20, a 19 year old Joe is having a freaking panic attack in the back of my brain. Going, oh God, now they say our name. Yeah. Dickie Rod. Yeah. He did a promo for us in, in his. I wanted to see studio. He needed Yeah, I saw it. Did a nice setup for you guys and everything. Yeah. Yeah. 19 year old Joe was like Stewie Griffin rocking back and forth. Oh my God. And then, and then the trophy was in the background. Nice, yeah. yeah. Heart and soul trophy. The heart and soul trophy, and he yeah. said that he said he wants that to be an an um an every year thing now, which is good because you know it's like gimmick yeah. that to, to sell tickets. So exactly, you know, like the King of the Ring. It's like somebody thinks the King of the Ring is coming to town. Oh, I gotta go, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you get that those annual events like when they had Cycle Circus and everything like that. You know, it, it's good. Uh huh. You know, ECWA's got the Super 8. Everybody's got, you know, their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm just, like, there's a show coming up that me and Eager um, attending, we're attending the uh, NYWC show on the 17th. Me and uh, Geek were going. And actually, there's two shows at the same night, and I almost freaked out because they announced it. And Geek's like, send me the poster, and I went like this. Oh, it's okay. It's at one thirty. We can go to both. <laughs> there you go. I said, he canceled the tickets. He's like, don't, don't know. I'm like, but he's like, TJ, what, what's, what's his name? TJ Crawford. TJ Crawford. Crawford's going to be at the show at um, Victory Pro Wrestling. Have you mm. ever heard of them? Yeah, I've worked there. I don't know anybody on that roster. Yeah, I don't I know anybody on WWE now. I've worked there a couple times. Mm-hmm. I know Bam Bam is a woman. Bam Bam, something the big black Ka- lady. Karen Bam Bam. Karen Bam Bam. I don't know who she is. Uh-huh. Anyway, so what do you yeah. guys want to know? <laughs> Whatever stories are on your mind, we want to know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, if you guys pop questions at me or whatever, or something, I know what like I might remember. Uh, who knows what comes? That's why I said, you know, if anybody got questions, shoot them, and I'll, I'll shoot the stories from there. Uh, and I'll see kind of what pops into the into the the the, the calcified gray matter that's between my ears to remember. Memories <laughs> like of any shows you did in Jersey, like when you were, like any like New Jersey shows that uh, we yeah. didn't. Ton of them. Did a ton of them. Uh, trying to think. Oh my God, Jesus! I'm trying to like think of what stand out. You know moments there are in terms of stories. Or whatever. I mean, I gave you guys the Ricky Steamboat story. I, I gave you guys the. I gave you guys the the, the the psycho circus story to lead up with the thumbtacks and the kill, right? You guys told yeah. Us about that, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. We told us that one. You told us the Eddie Guerrero story. Yeah, Eddie was Eddie was great. Uh, trying to think here. Uh, oh, there's, uh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. There's a uh, there's two stories. There's two stories. One shows a Connecticut show, uh, and actually, this is the first time I actually met um, Xavier when he was starting out. God rest yeah. his soul. Like Xavier yeah, didn't even appear yet. 
Xavier was just like wearing like uh, Adidas track pants and um and high the high tech boots. He didn't have gear yet. He was still starting out. He was so young. But uh, it was like one of the like it was just. Like one of those shows, like you know, the per- the promoter like runs every so months, every couple of months. So like they, st- it's just to run a show, and they they stack it with like names like crazy. So on this show, he had um, George the Animal Steel as a special guest. He had Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Gilberg, uh, and um, Psycho Sid. So, <laughs> so the first story. Uh, goes, um, I get to talk to Jake the Snake Roberts comes up to me in Boogaloo because Boogaloo and I were traveling together a lot at the time. And he goes, hey, boys, have you ever taken a move called the Bat Cave? No, sir. <laughs> this is not familiar with it. Here's how it goes. I take you, give you a couple shots. I whip you off to the ropes. You hit the ropes. As you're hitting the ropes, I turn around, pull my pants down. Open up my butt cheeks, you come back and you take the back cave. That's the back cave. It's like uh, okay. <laughs> no man. As I and now I've seen everything. <laughs> it's like ah, okay. I was like, all right. It's like, thank you, sir. And then later on that night, I mean, and then you guys remember Boogaloo. Boogaloo's a tough guy. And we actually spoke about this on his podcast recently. <laughs> Brought this one up on a little reunion. But um, so Sid's there, and you know. Sid's a big dude, man, you know, yeah. and everybody knows the, the history of, of Sid and WCW and a pair of scissors and Arn Anderson. Yeah. Everybody knows that story. So Boogaloo used to wear um like this leather vest. They had a really cool patch on the back, had a skull with a bandana and everything like that. Really, really nice patch. And so Sid's sitting on the, on the, 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 the locker room bench. So Sid sitting is still about our height <laughs> you know, and everything because he's that tall. And he had his like student with him. I for, his student went on to become somebody. I forgot who it was. Boogaloo knows who it was. I can't, can't remember for life of me. But yeah, Sid sitting is almost still as tall as us. But he says, hey, kid, come here. Because you know, he sees Boogie with the vest. Says, All right. And he comes over and he says, let me see the vest. Boogie goes, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 he hands him the vest and he's just like, you know, he's just looking at it and everything like that. He's telling tell him, that's nice, right? That's, I like that. That's nice. That's nice. So I, you know, Boogaloo doesn't back down, but Boogaloo at this moment was a little nervous. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, there's this place over in the, you know, the city. That's where I got it. And then he told him, like, the, the place. The magic goes, yeah, I never heard of it. And because, like, book, so I'm like, you're right. He goes, Dude, it's Psycho Sid. If he wants to freaking take it, what the fuck am I going to do? I like a man. So he's like, cool. And he hands it back to Boogie. And Boogie walks away. He goes, he goes, dude, he goes, you know what that man did to Arn Anderson? If he told me he wanted to keep the vest, what was I going to say? No. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, God. So there was that one. So that was that one time. That was pretty funny. Um... <laughs> Oh, it was, uh, there was one time I grossed out Gangrel. Uh, <laughs> I grossed out Gangrel in the middle of a match. Um, we used to work this company uh, out here in Jersey called IHPW while we were doing the Disturbed Dreams thing. And that's when I had my student with me, Jay Chronic. He used to do like the crazy caveman, wild man type gimmick. And um, they had us as this group called um, 
bloodthirsty, you know, and everything like that. And so through the whole time, I'm cutting the promos. He's, we used to do studio promos, get together, everything for DVDs, everything. And I kept, uh, we were feuding with um, independent worker, mostly known in Jersey as uh, Johnny Thunder. And um, the Nelson brothers, they're like these twin uh, brothers that were a tag team, mostly like a, like an amateur background, you know. But um, so we're doing all these promos against them. But so as I'm cutting the promos, I'm doing full on disturbed. You know, she's doing like, you know, like she's in a fairy where like she's just nuts and everything like that. And my, my partner, he's just he's a savage. He can't talk. He's, like, <laughs> he's got his face painted and everything. So we keep referring to he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. You know. And everything like that. So finally the show comes where he's arriving. And he happened to be Gangrel. Which wow. so we got to be in this group for one night with Gangrel, which was like utterly epic, you know. Because mm. I, I I never think I never uh have felt Gangrel has gotten his just due and got the real shine he could have gotten. But um, so he comes in and they want us to do the promo together. So the way we worked it was the show the month before at the building, we kidnapped his nephew, uh, Johnny Thunders. Johnny Thunders' nephew, uh, Chris Thunder, was actually Foxy Foxy's brother. He <laughs> 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 played uh, Johnny Thunders' nephew. Because no. uh, like he they, they'd known him, for, you know, uh, her brother pretty much grew up around the wrestling school and everything like that. So Johnny knew him growing up. So we said, we said we'll use Chris. So we do the backstage promo. So like, you know, we, we, the month before we literally grab him from the gra- crowd and the crowd was like, Whoa, what's going on? Like we literally grabbed this kid. Cause he was young at the time. He was like still a teenager. So we literally grabbed this kid from the crowd. We roughhouse him. We manhandle him. We bring him to the back and everything. So the next month we come back, we like, we made it look like we got them out. We threw clothes on him and makeup and my goggles and everything on him. So we cut the promo in the back uh, leading up to it. And Gangrel was super cool. Super nice. And uh, I was like, you know, sir, you know, we'll stand in the back. You do the promo or like that. He goes, no, nah, man. He goes, you've been here for months do, playing this up. You do the promo. This is. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, you do it. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> uh-huh. So if you watch that Disturbed um, Damien Dragon music video that I have on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. you see like he's there with Foxy's brother and everything like that behind the scenes. He's like, ah, yeah. and he's put his teeth on like Chris's neck and everything like that. So it was like really cool. Oh, fun story too, because like now he's got like the he's got like regular teeth in there and like that. But those two fang ones at the time were um like surgically implanted because they uh, at different times in his wrestling career they got knocked out. So like he was literally missing a tooth on each fang. So he originally had them like put in. Oh crap! Anyway, we uh. We go to the ring first because you know obviously he's the star. He's gonna come out last, you know, and everything like that. And I mean, come on. It doesn't matter if it's indie show. The lights go out. You hear that Gangrel music. That's like one of the coolest theme music. Like you, yeah, you can't ever heard. It's like so good. So you know we're trying to like stay in gimmick this whole time. So uh, me, my my student Jay Chronic and Foxy and Chris are in the ring. So we still got Chris and everything like that. So we're like working our gimmick and ah, and all this stuff. And the lights go out. The music goes on, and we're trying to stay in gimmick. But like we're whispering each other. Like this is the most awesome thing ever <laughs> like in <laughs> our heads we're parking out because like this is awesome like we're standing in the middle of the ring gang girl's music coming he's coming he's gonna be a partner and everything like that so you know gang girl comes in the ring but you know we do a little quick sabi dabi we roll out you know for a second so we get our game plan together so gang girl goes okay i i, I got this figured out now you're the crazy beast guy 
and you're just hella fucking hyper, <laughs> which is me. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, you start the match. Like, so we start the match. Da, 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 da. So uh, in training one day years ago, so to, to, to date where this is going really quick, I was um, leaning ringside at Johnny Rogers uh, at the school training. Uh, and Johnny noticed I am actually double jointed in both elbows. Mm. Huh. Oh boy. Oh, and so both my elbows are double jointed. So he goes, Oh, he goes, you know, you, bah, you can make that a gimmick. Your guy comes in and goes, boom. And then, you know, I bend the arm. So years later, the idea popped into my head to listen to Johnny and use it. So <laughs> we're working this thing, we're working thing. And Johnny Thunder puts me into a, a, a like an overhand wrist lock. So I, I told, I says, Johnny, I says, at one point, I'm going to tell you to wrench it. But I didn't really kind of tell him where we were going with it because I wanted people to kind of naturally freak out a little bit. Mm. So I tell him, I says, all right, wrench it. So right when he wrenches it, I go, whap. And you can see like my arm and you've never heard an entire audience, every wrestler standing at the corners. Go, like, oh. like the whole audience. <laughs> Even get girl got grossed out. He goes like, oh, what the hell? He's like trying to say, oh. you know. And Johnny Thunder's like, oh my god, like what the hell? So then I'm like, ah, like so I'm working it. The referee like comes up, touch me. I'm like, ah, don't touch it, don't touch it. And then Johnny comes up to me. I still got my arm bent in like the wrong direction. As soon as he comes up to me, wham! I punch him in the face. <laughs> and what I do is I take my arm and I make it like I popped it back in the place. And Oof. right when I did that, if you thought the first, the second noise was worse, everyone's like, oh, like people were ready to like throw up. <laughs> like that. So, you know, boom, get the heat. I tag out to my, uh, tag out to my student. I go to, I get back in the corner with Gangrel. Gangrel goes, I've seen a lot of shit in my day. That was the grossest thing I have ever seen. Uh -huh. in <laughs> we got a vampire. You got to do something really crazy. Yeah, and, you know, it was the game. And that was like the, honestly, it was like the first and only time I ever, like, worked that <laughs> into a match. And then, every, I mean, I did a lot of other silly spots, but that was the first time I ever worked, like, my, my, uh, my born with uh, gimmicks into, into a match and everything. So that wow. was, uh, that was a fun one. That was definitely a fun one. Uh, and everything like that. Uh, if you guys got questions, shoot. So it gives yeah. me time to think if I can remember anything yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I, I got one. Um, were you there? You, you were obviously there when the big Mick Foley surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have any stories from that, or? Uh... I don't have any stories from that, but that wasn't the first time I met Mick. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> and the first time I met uh, Mick Foley was kind of weird, in, in a way. Um. It was, uh, I actually met him, um, during TRL. Um, TRL. Yeah, Total Request Live at MTV. I remember, I remember it, yeah. It was the episode that they had, like, you know, they had, like, indie wrestlers, like, working a thing, and McFoll and Mankind was the judge. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. I don't, he, I don't like, think I remember that. I remember Stone Cold uh, being a part of it. Uh, well, uh, Mankind was on this episode of TRL because he was there judging the guys. And so we get there. They, they call for us. They call Johnny Rods. A bunch of us go. I mean, a lot of us go. A lot of us. And it's like, it was like, so you want to be the next WWE superstar? Like, this is before, like, they started tough enough and everything. So they had us, like, come hours before. Hours before. Sitting outside in a long. And it's not just us. It's like 
wrestlers from all over. And like, there was even one guy that was like, not even trained, just had a body, saw the line, jumped in, and apparently could cut a promo and everything. Had a good, but he was a, called himself, he called himself the California Dream. He had a name and everything, had not a lick of experience and everything. So, you know, like, the, the, the first thing they do, we're out there all day long, and now the sun is beaming too. It was like a hot summer day. So everybody's out there in wrestling gimmicks. They interview us a couple times while we're in line and like that. Then one by one, we start in groups. We start going in, and then we do. I think we do. You do the first promo in like a booth. If they like it, then you do another promo, and then if they like both, then you want to like doing something on the actual show, and everything like that. So I made it onto the actual show. So we cut the two promos and everything like that. So we. Uh, they don't want us actually wrestling each other because it was no. They didn't want anybody getting hurt. So, <laughs> what they did was they got uh, they made like a stuffed dummy, but this dummy wasn't like stuffed solid. It was like almost like they had stuffed it with like toilet paper because it was like very, 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 very mushy, very, very mushy, very flimsy. And then on top of that, they didn't even get a wrestling ring. I mean, I know they couldn't get a high wrestling ring because we had low rest. There was a such thing as low wrestling rings, but they got a boxing ring, oh, and God. a boxing ring has zero give, none. Oh, I think I know where we're going no this give whatsoever. <laughs> so we're doing, you know, people are doing moves and everything, and they're going, you know, we're doing moves one by one. We're taking, and we're beating up this dummy. So how? I mean, they're bringing us in two at a time, and we're taking turns beating up a dummy, which. We did the best we could with it. It's only so good it was gonna look without it looking ridiculous, you know. So uh, commercial break goes to so me and one of my uh, wrestling school buddies goes in. Sweet Bobby G, it's me and him in there, and um, I look out of the corner of my eye and I look over and I see what I think is like a big mannequin of mankind. So I go. Bobby, that's an awesome freaking mannequin. And he goes, and he, Bobby looks and Bobby goes, holy shit, that, that, that's incredible. That looks so, like we thought it was, even he thought it was like, oh, legit, because he hadn't moved. He was just like sitting there like zoned out. And it wasn't until he literally just like moved like this. He went, he moved slowly, like very slowly. And I was like, oh, it's, it's really Mick Foley. <laughs> like we freaked out. We're like, oh, I was like, he sat there motionless, staring off into space. I want to say for five, ten minutes until we came back from commercial break. Oh, crap! <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, it's like, really him. <laughs> it's like, it's like, because it's like, like who can sit that still? Like I've only seen cats do that. <laughs> you know, like you can't you live it down nothing forever. I've seen that. So it's like, oh, it's, it's really him. And everything. So yeah, and then we so we're doing all these like silly wrestling moves and, and everything like that. And then so I had mentioned the the ring had no give and it was a boxing ring. So I used to do um, I used to do like this forward roll jumping, diving headbutt thing in my younger days. I used to, like roll jump and, and headbutt. So I go to I do it and I go to headbutt the damn dummy. And again, I told you it was like super mushy. So as soon as my head touches the dummy. It like literally mushed the dummy down and I hit my forehead right on that freaking uh, boxing ring. Mm. Oh, wrong my belt. Oh, man. So bad. I was like, oh, Jesus. And I, and I did it on live TV. So I, I, my, my segment was on live because not everybody's was. I did my I did the segment on live TV and it was like, 
bang. I was like, oh my god. Uh, actually, our wrestling buddy, Mad Whipper Whip, was the one that uh, that won it and everything like that. Uh, he he took a pot shot at our one friend, uh, our friend the Musketeer. He wound up in ECW and part of uh, Simon Diamond's group. Uh, he was in our he was from our school and everything like that. So like they only showed um, Musketeer's uh, ring promo. And he goes, villains beware and fear the musketeer. And Foley, like, totally ripped him when he goes, he goes, I don't know about you guys, but I don't fear the musketeer. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he just, just he totally shot Roger down. <laughs> like, you, got you, ruined the head. you ruined the gimmick right there. Yeah, oh, my God. He just, burned, he just burned him. He absolutely burned him. But then, like, and then it's funny, because speaking of burn, as I mentioned, it was this hot summer day, so we're out there for hours. Because we did the promos, and then we had to go back outside. So we were there. TRL typically didn't start to what four, five o'clock. Yeah. yeah, we had to be there at like eight o'clock in the morning. Jeez. Jeez. So we in were the sitting out there lined up since eight o'clock in the morning in wrestling gear. And I mind you, it's that summer day, and that sun's moving. So in the beginning of the day, we were okay. Come lunchtime and beyond, the sun is now. If you know where the building is, the sun is now on the side where the the entrance to MTV is. So now it's beaming on us. So the other funny thing about me was by the time I got in there uh, into the building to do TV, and luckily because of the lights, it didn't show. But like since the sun was heat, my my this side of my face was on on the side of the building. This side of my face was on the side of the sun. By the time we went inside, I looked like two faced. I was sunburned halfway. Oh, I was on my right side. And fine on my left side. <laughs> so I, I looked like two-faced. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, awesome. I got this whole one red side, arm, face, everything, and this side's pale. Perfect. Tremendous. <laughs> you, just, you just needed the coin, and that was it. You would feel like. Oh, my God. I, I should have <laughs> I changed, I changed my gimmick in an instant. Gone, ran, got some crazy freaking suit, and <laughs> started doing this. <laughs> I might have won. <laughs> No, but our friend Whipper Whip won and everything like that. And and Mankind really liked – Mick really liked him and everything like that because Whip was like this really tall dude, and he just was like a crazy tall guy, like just out of his mind. And he was kind of like inspired by Foley in different ways. So like his, his promos were never coherent or made sense and everything like that. And then he starts telling Mick, are you my dad? Are you my dad? And Foley goes, I don't know. You just might be. another fun time. Yeah. Everything. What about you, Joe? You got any questions for me? Oh, my I, I got tons. You know, I've known you for like forever. Go for Remember, it. Rest, wrestling besties. Yay. It's two of us here. No, they, Foxy's sleeping. So, Air pinkies. <laughs> Air pinkies. <laughs> Air pinkies. Um, so, like, did you ever have, like, like a really bad, like, a, like a crowd reaction, like, when your first, ex- first, your first appearance, when you ever did your first show? Uh, no, I did have, there was, not necessarily me, but more so um, Foxy. Uh, we had one. Uh, one comment that like literally crossed the line. And again, wrestling, you got to be thick skinned and everything like that. But then there is the occasional moment that it's like, whoa, pump the brakes too far. And ironically, it was at an NYWC show. Wow. Um, so we're coming out. Um, I think this is when they had that, that kid with us for like the one show. Like he was like the goth pirate guy. I can't remember his name. Good kid though. But anyway, 
uh, there was that camp, uh, that summer camp that was there as special guests in the front row. And this is going to get a little, uh, the language is going to get a little strong here. And it's not because it's, of, it's, uh, it's rated, it's rated M anyway. So, right. <laughs> um, so again, you know, thick skin, I, I've heard so many stuff. I used to get called Damien Drag Queen in the Elks Lodge and all that stuff. This is what it is. No big deal. But we're coming to the ring. So these kids, and like they're probably no more than 9, 10, maybe 11 years old. Max. Max. And they're just saying the most outlandish things anything ever. Like you should not hear a kid say. But then there was one comment that completely crossed this, the line. This one kid literally yells to Foxy and that like, I am not mincing words here. This is exactly what this about nine, ten-year-old kid said. He yells at Foxy, "You need to let me fuck you and come in the come in your ass so your ass can grow." What? And it was like, whoa! And like we broke, Kate, like oh, and like I'm look, and he's they're there with like adults and camp counselors and everything. We're like, yo, like. Pump the brakes, okay? Like, one, regardless of it being, uh, like, if any fan, it's still, like, pump the brakes, you know? But you're, like, 9, 10 years old. That is not cool. And the fact that you're here as the camp counselors and you're not putting this in check, that's a problem. Yeah. So we do the match, and, like, I get in the ring, and mind you, we're babies, but I'm, I, I'm hot. Like, she's pissed, and I'm pissed. Like, I'm legitimately hot, but I'm trying to stay in the match, but I'm pissed right now. Because of that. And, uh, you know, I let the ring announcer know. I said, yo, I said, let them know in the back. And I told him, I whispered him the deal and like that. And he's important. I said, the kid's right there. He says, okay. So we go to the back locker room. Uh, was it uh, Wayne and Mikey had already gotten hurt, had gotten word about it. And they came through the, uh, when we came to the curtain, they were standing there. Said, so what happened? And I would tell them, they just point out again. They eject that. And, and, and that's why they ejected that summer camp group because it got to, it was like, yo, that's, too much you know it's one thing you calm you enjoy the show you say what you say but there there's a there's a line you know and it's definitely a line when you're like nine ten years old and you say something like that and it's like that's not cool like yeah crazy man what the hell yeah. Dude, what the hell that's like worse yeah, than and like, to hear that from a nine ten year old it's like one thing if you hear it from like a beer swilling guy in the in the, in the audience whatever it's still not cool but it's a grown man okay mm-hmm. When you hear that, you look over, it's a nine, ten year old kid. It's like, whoa, oh, hold on. Adult supervision here, folks. Adult supervision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The ECW Ring of Honor crowds have gotten rough, but like, damn, hearing that from a kid, that's, that's yeah, crossing that was, the line. That was like really out there. That was like, that was probably the most out there comment ever. I mean, not all matches have ever gone like swimmingly. Uh, but like in terms of like whatever, that was probably like the worst like thing I had ever heard. In terms of reaction, I, I've never really had. I'm not saying I was always over. I never, you know, beginning of the indies, whatever, like that. You know, I did the best I could, or whatever, like that. Luckily, I, you know, matches were still decent and everything like that, which is why it was it was felt I could work the indies because that was the thing. Like our first indie bookings came through Johnny, and he didn't take us unless he felt we were ready to be out there. And everything like that, where some guys kind of like they take some training and they leave and they go and they start doing a thing and you don't really have. But Johnny was our first uh, outside bookings. He would get shows booked through people and he would bring some of us when he felt we were ready. So luckily, I he felt that was good enough to be out there. 
So, I mean, I never really, again, had, I, I learned lessons. I definitely learned like lessons along the way. Uh, like the very, the very first time I worked uh, the Elks Lodge and I worked, obviously I worked that building for years, but the very, very, very first time I worked the Elks Lodge, I worked a guy that was on the Indies at the time called the Shark Attack Kid. Uh, for guy was phenomenal. And, and it's a shame. Like if, if he had been around like late, a little later, I could have seen this guy getting signed. He was good. He was really, really good. But like, I, again, I was still getting my feet wet and I didn't know a lot of things. So like, you know, I, at the time, you know, he was going over, I wasn't, and it was also, so I was a little dejected, but again, I was young and everything like that. So I, I come to the curtain, I get in the ring, and I'm very serious face, and I'm like that, you know, boom, 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 boom. We did a match. And we have a great match. We have a great match. Come to the back, and I added to the typical courtesy things. I knew he had experience. I says, hey, you know, any pointers for me, sir, and everything like that. This is my first. And he goes, no. He goes, look. He goes, I do have. He goes, he's in ring. He says, everything was great. Everything was fine. You know, maybe this, maybe that. He goes, but the one lesson I will teach you that I will hope you carry on is regardless, he's like, even if you know you're losing the match, don't come out looking like you're going to lose the match. Come out like you're fired up and, and you're going to win this thing. He's like, never come out looking like you're going to lose because then the people are never going to get behind you because they were like, oh, the guy's going to lose, you know, and everything like that because he looks like he's going to lose. So, like, that was, like, the one, like, really cool lesson I, I, I learned, like, early on in, in the Indies and like that first time I worked the Elks Lodge. So, like, and, you know, again, I picked up a lot of things uh, along the way. You know, it's kind of like um, on-the-job training, as they say, you know? On-the-job yeah, training. Definitely. 100%. Like, you just got to, like, make the crowd believe it's real. Like, yeah. Like, exactly. Like, the time I t- like when Foxy turned on you, I knew it was a character and it was a gimmick, but I I, I would see you guys all the time. And the, the funny thing is, like, that storyline bled so hard into real life because if you guys remember that's when like message boards and everything were just starting out mm-hmm. and everything and, i mean and she and i used to take like a brow beating on the doi message board and other boards and all like that uh so much to the point and we had like, when we had our first son and we had mentioned this recently when we had our first son we only told a couple of close people very small Within a couple of short hours later, it was on the DOI message board that, you know, she had the baby and everything like that, and the kid wasn't mine. Mm. Mind you, we hadn't gone public with it or anything like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And we kind of deduced down to where it came from and everything like that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we know who we can't trust anymore. Huh. But it was like, we used to take a pounding on, on, on message boards and everything like that. But it it was funny because it helped us in other places when we started working individually, because it was like, all right, we've been doing the disturbed dreams thing. I think we did it for almost five years. I think we ran it for almost three to five years. And that's a long time to run a, a, a duo act like that, you know, and everything like that. But it was like, all right, I think it's time we kind of, we got to mix it up a little bit. And, and again, that split helped us out. So when we worked over in cyberspace, um, Derek Gordon brought us in and he was like, hey, you know, I want to okay this with you because he spoke about it on his thing uh, recently. And he was like, you know, I want to okay with it. Is you guys okay with this? Because I see the stuff they're saying. And we were like, look, man, we know what we got. That's just words on the internet or whatever like that. You want to push the envelope? Let's push it. Let's do it. And he was like shocked. He's like, really? it's like dude, this is this is wrestling. This is a gimmick. We know what we are in real life and everything like that. And let's push the envelope. 
So you'll actually see it's on YouTube. The one bit we did, it was the Billy Hulk, Billy Hulk uh, Memorial Show, and they have the backstage vignettes and everything, and the match and the whole nine yards. And then at the end of it, it's like Scampy comes in, he helps jump me, and then Dan Barry comes out and saves me. Uh, funny thing to that one, there's even a funny story. There's two funny stories to that one actually. See, I guess, see, as you guys ask questions, here <laughs> comes the stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. We did. We had to do uh, backstage uh, promos leading up to it, telling the story. So it was like, um, like they, like they, it was really risque, like further than what you guys saw at NWC. They made it risque, more risque than what NWC. So it starts out where like she's there taking pictures and everything like that. So I come in and I'm like, hey, I've been trying to talk to you, and she's like totally avoiding me. She don't want to talk to me. And she's like, there is no us. Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, she walks in, she goes, ladies room. And bang, she closes the door on me. And I'm like, all right. So then cut to the next part of it. She actually comes out of the med room. She's like, stop, I'll see you later. And she's like fixing her dress and everything. It's a kind of innuendo. It just happened behind closed doors and everything. So I'm like, oh, what the hell was that? And I come following her and she goes behind the door. So here goes, here goes, uh, here goes crazy moment number one. It was at this building, uh, like there was all these different sections, but there was like these um, deck doors that had like little the little glass windows in it. So she closed the door, and I get mad, and I I just I met I just went to like like make the sound, but my palm actually broke the glass. I cut my hand and everything, and oh shit! And I broke the glass, and I was like, and of course all the boys, and it's right by the locker room, so all the boys are like, ooh. <laughs> So we come out, uh, and then you know, the guy I'm working that night, Eric Andretti, like he's like, Oh, you know, what kind of man you can when she and so she comes out and manages the guy I'm wrestling. We have our match, bah, 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 bah. so boom, then finally in comes Scampy to cause the uh disqualification because they wanted to Derek Gordon was smart because he knew a lot of people since the tri-state area had become so connected with indie wrestling. So what was going on in New York, people knew in New Jersey and, and so forth. So that's why he wanted to intermingle the angle. And since he used NYWC people and everything like that, it worked very well. So Scampy comes in, boom, 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 boom. They jump me. So they they uh, put me on the ring apron on the outside and they double handcuffed me, kind of like what they did with uh, Raven and ECW. They, they basically yeah. crucified me on yeah. the uh, on the ring ropes. So here's number two now from this. You know, Foxy's giving reading me the riot act, bop, 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 and gives me a kendo stick. Now, mind you, it gives me a kendo stick shock on the head. Now, mind you, I'm handcuffed, so I can't protect myself. Oh, oh my god, yes. this is my wife. She's not gonna hurt me. Hits me square right here, bang, and it bounces and hits me right in the collar. Goes, oh, oh shit. like she. Waffled me. I was like, oh, like I saw the um when the initial shot came, I saw the white flash. That, that when you get when you get hit hard, I was like, oh, I was like, whoa, Jesus. Gee. So so now I you know, because typically when you get hit on something, you know, you want to immediately grab it. You're like, oh, I can't grab I can't grab it. I'm like, oh. So I'm like, Jesus Christ. Dan Barry slides in, cleans house, boom, 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 boom. So the referee is, is supposed to have the keys to the handcuffs in his pocket. Guess what he doesn't have? The keys. Uh, he doesn't have the <laughs> keys. <laughs> so now, 
I'm like, so Dan is like literally, you see, Dan is literally like trying to help me back up to alleviate the pressure from the cuffs on my wrist because they're cutting into my wrists now. Oh, and he's like trying to pick me up a little bit. He's like, oh, Jesus. I was like, oh, my God. So I'm in the cuffs, I think, for about a good minute to two minutes, which felt like an eternity. Oh, yeah. They hurt. Uh, I, I've had candlestick pain since my karate days. But um, finally get the keys. Get me on her comeback. I can finally put my hand on my head. because I'm like, oh, my God, she rung my belt. I come to the curtain, and I'm like, where's my wife? And I find her, like, in a corner behind, like, this. Cause she knew she wobbled me and she felt so bad. She was thought about. She thought I was gonna. She thought I was gonna yell at her and scream at her, because she was standing in the corner like this. She's like, oh my god! It's like I was like, no. I was like, you hurt like hell, but Jesus Christ! I was like, she's really mad at me. What the hell? <laughs> Flash forward. Um, if you look at early pictures when I first started shaving my head, I used to have a, a, a cyst right over here where you see like a like little scar area. I used to have a cyst here when I first started shaving my head. And the first time I shaved my head, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, boom. And I remember hit like, like a ball. I was, what the hell is that? So I get it. I'm like, what's this bump? It's a cyst. Years later, we figured out the cyst came from the kendo shot. <laughs> That's how I got the cyst. <laughs> was from the kendo shot. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, so that was the story of like all those pictures I had years ago when I used to have the, the bump right over here. Yeah, that was courtesy of Foxy Foxy. We deduced it because we. We were going through our old pictures once, and it's literally a picture of her, like, in mid-action hitting me. And we're like, I was like, bingo, there it is. That's how I got it. <laughs> and her like that. <laughs> if you can like, find it. you guys remember when they cut my hair at NYWC, you know, and I shaved it down, there was no bump. I had no bump yet. <laughs> Everything was fine. It was smooth. And then, yeah, that's where, uh, that's where it came that's from, right. apparently. That's where the bump came from. <laughs> So, yeah. See, as I said, when you guys ask questions, the stories will pop. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen Dan Barry recently in AEW. That he's, he's the, only, a, the only two times I've watched it was when Dan was on. <laughs> <laughs> the only times I've watched it. But, now, yeah, he's, actually, he, I, I take that back. I did watch um, – I watched the, the parts uh, on the Brody Lee thing, especially because, yeah. like, I know John Silver. I've wrestled John Silver. I've wrestled Alex Reynolds. You know, all the I, I wrestled all those guys, so like I did watch like certain things for the, for that I did watch because it was such a big deal. But in terms of actual, the only yeah, other yeah, than that, I've only watched the last two weeks in a row for Dan. That was it. I mean, I thought him. I thought he retired though, and then he came back. That's crazy. I think I, I think that's what it, he's like. He slowed down, you know. He slowed down and everything like that. If you guys have never seen his comedy stand up, they're on YouTube. He is hilarious. His stand-up comedy act is hilarious if you've never seen it. You guys got to see it. It's so funny. He's so, so good. So I, I was mentioning this to Dickie. I said they should try to bring back Team Tremendous, bring back Scampy. <laughs> Scam- I, we would – I mean, we lost touch with Scampy. I mean, Scampy, like, after he got married and everything like that, like, he just cut all social media, everything. Yeah. Because after NYWC, after, like, me, Foxy, and him, and Dan were, like, phased out, and you know, we were we were phased out. Um, me, Foxy, and ba- uh, um, and Scampy started hitting the roads together. And Scampy and I worked tag team matches all the way up in like Rhode Island, Boston. We were going all over. We were working as a tag team. We were uh, doing uh, this gimmick, Team Zero. So we were either doing a trio or we were just doing a tag team, depending on where we went. 
and I like that. But then a little while after that, you know, he just kind of we lost touch, unfortunately. Oh, but yeah. Stampy's one of the, like the greatest friends in the business I ever had. Like, you know, there's not a lot of people you can trust in the business because it's the wrestling business, but Scampy is like, you know, Scampy is one of the greatest people I've ever known. Same thing with Dan. Uh, Dan Dan and Scampy probably is two guys, two of the guys we used to make, we used to like crack each other up so much. I actually, another story for you. Scampy and I, when there we, we go with up, the stories. <laughs> Scampy and I, when we used to, when we first started teaming up, people used to hate working with us only not necessarily in the ring they hated working with us having to plan a match in the back because we started doing this thing where we would just like talk nonsense and it made sense to us but everybody the, the other people in the match would be like and, and, <laughs> and Foxy knew what we were talking about but everybody else would be so lost so we start doing it. So say Scampy and I are working, you guys. All right, so we're gonna get in the ring, right? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna come in. We're gonna start with the universal, you know, tackle drop that from boom. I'm gonna give you the gimmick and the sabi dabi. Boom, boom, boom. I'm gonna tag him. I'm gonna give ga 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 ga. We would call the whole match like that. <laughs> That's how we would call the match. Wow. You had, you, you had your own language, basically. And then people were just like, and we would like do the movements and everything, and we would talk like that, and people would go. What the hell did they just say? <laughs> what did they just say? What's like, going on? And that's how we would call matches. And then um, I don't know if you guys remember the NWC show, uh, the very first one him and I tagged when I was Goth Rod, and he was still doing the Fisherman Scampy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you guys, I don't know if you guys remember the intro or not. We ribbed the ring announcer, and it wound up sticking. And they're like that because they they wanted to stick us as a tag team, uh, like like an on and off tag team. So they wanted us to have a name and all this stuff. And Scampy and I were never really like we were serious about what we did. We just here I was now disturbed Damian Dragon thinking he's Goth Rod, and then you've got the 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 mentally impaired fisherman. How serious of a tag team name or anything can you do with this? You know, there's nothing serious about this. Nothing. So, Scampy goes, I got it. Don't worry about it. He takes the ring announcer's card, writes down the information, gives it to him. This is what you write. He goes, Don't worry. You'll like it. This is us. Okay. (laughs) Let's see where this goes. So, it's on the DVD. I have it. The ring announcer gets in the rings. He announces the heel team, and he goes, "Come into the ring next." And he completely breaks kayfabe, says it loud out on the microphone, and everything. He goes, "Really? They're serious with this?" Okay. <laughs> he goes, "He goes, weighing in at a total combined weight of I don't know, coming from I don't care, <laughs> the tag team of fish and chips." <laughs> was, it, was it Jason that was the announcer back then, or was it somebody else? I think it was Jason. Jason, he was on, he was on a podcast. Like I, I think, think it was Jason. But anyway, so so but he was like, "Are they serious with this?" I was like, "Yeah." So we were 
from uh yeah weighed in at i don't know came from i don't care and and we were fishing chips and then at that time kaiju big battle started becoming the big thing on the vhs tape so we got really hooked into it to the point like we wanted to get in it and i actually have a friend who who like works for them now had we known then we would have gotten in but we were like dude i want to do kaiju big battle and put on the stupid suits and everything so we got it we like we stole this move and we did it at nwc from the tag team that they had there called Los Platanos. So they used to do that thing, you know, they grab one guy laid down and he grabbed his partner's ankles and pick up his feet and the other guy grab, and they basically do like the wheelbarrow forward thing. They, they yeah. kind of roll in a circle and the last guy jumps up and does a clothesline. If you guys remember us doing that, that's where we got it from, Kaiju yes, Big Battle. We got so it from smash. Kaiju Big Battle. I, I remember everybody chanting that Scampi, we want uh, fish sticks or something like that all oh, the yeah, time. Oh yeah, we want fish sticks. Uh, <laughs> that was you know, like Scampy and I have quite a few stories. Him yeah. and I have had some fun stories. Um, we went to Rhode Island and everything like that. And the guys there had seen had been they known us for years and they liked us, and that's why they brought us up. And we were working to tag team champions and everything like that. And w- the way Team Zero worked two different ways. If we were heels, it worked like we were like an obnoxious like party crew, like you know, clubbing, Vegas, drinks, booze, sex, rock and roll, all that. If we were baby faces, we did it as ourselves. Cause um, if anybody that really that really knows Scampy or didn't know, me, her, and Scampy are big comic book geeks. Huge comic book geeks. We see each other at Comic Con every year and like that. So we were like, we'll just be dorky comic con us we'll just be dorks we'll be nerds you know that will be basically what the nerd herders are is what we were we were the nerd herders we were the first version of the nerd herders um like to, to the point where like our, our, our we used to wear shorts we can't we made it kind of look i made it look like uh like the x-men uniforms they had like the ye- yellow stripes with silver and everything we had like wolverine stripes it didn't matter it was it's really cool so he used to do this thing um have you guys ever heard the um, metal uh, version cover of uh, Justin Timberlake's um, "Sexy Back"? No, no. Oh, it's good. It's it's I, I it's uh, it's on uh, Spotify. It's a metal version of "Sexy Back," and it comes out. I'm bringing sexy back, like, and it's funny because like you hear that bam, you, you actually hear the beat, and you realize, and everybody used to hear it and go, "Is that Justin Timberlake's "Sexy Back"?" Like it would it would cat like everybody would cat like that's "Sexy Back," and it was. <sighs> so we would be behind the curtain waiting to go out. What's up? But we would um we would kind of like just have some fun and pump ourselves up. So just to show you what it looked like behind the curtain, and and the guys booking the show again, they knew us, so they knew it. the team we were working were like, what the hell? They're like, this is just them just how to get ready for matches. So the song's hitting, it's not our time, but we're behind the curtain going, <clears throat> and we're like just grooving, we're just grooving to it, and we're gyrating. And this is all happening behind the curtain just to kind of get ourselves into it. And then we come running out, hey! we go all over the place and everything. And then I used to mess with him. Like we used to do the, we used to do the, the come around about high, you know, high five everybody. Like so the I, would, thing. And I would go underneath him and he goes, oh, you would have to like tippy toe over me. He's like, you jerk. <laughs> like that. And then we go to the back. And they were like, "What the hell was all the dances?" It's like, and the, the promoters and everything. They were like, "Look, that's just them, and that's why we brought them." He's like, "Look, they're good workers in the ring. Just don't pay attention to anything else they do outside the ring, because it's like, it's like what they do, they do very well in the ring, and they make it work." 
No, we did not ever wind up doing kaiju big battles. I probably could have I want to, but I, my body can't take it now. I guess I didn't. Uh, one of my uh, Gleason's wrestling buddies actually is um, he's the dust bunny in it and he works closely with them. And he's like, oh, if you guys want to, I was like, well, if I'd known years ago when my body was able to handle it, yeah, we would have done it because we wanted to do kaiju big battle. We really wanted to do it. We were like, yeah, I'll put me in some stupid suit and we could do real wrestling and freak everybody out, you know, because like these guys would get in there and just do anything. Like, so now imagine you get actual indie workers in there doing it. It'd be great. <laughs> you know? So we did that. Um, we did a. Uh, we worked a like a two show deal or whatever over here where he was heel, I was baby. We, it built up to um, a six man tag main event. Uh, it was and it was Scampy teamed up with he got Scampy got lucky. Scampy got teamed up with um, Little Guido and Al Snow <laughs> and everything like that. And I got teamed up with the two kids that were running the show. He got teamed up with the names. I you know, but it was okay, fine. But um, I can't find the match for the life of me, which turned out to be a good match now and like that. But what I had wish I had recorded more than the match was actually just the the planning of it behind the scenes with Al Snow, because I have never laughed so hard <laughs> putting a match together with anyone like Al Snow. Number one was telling like the most riotous like stories from his days and everything like that, from his shows and experiences. And we were, we was dying. So, um, uh, Snow, uh, gives Scampy the nickname Kid Voila. He just caught it and calling him Kid Voila for some reason. So he's like, all right. Cause you know, you, you always let the, um, you let the veteran carpenter the match. You let the veteran plan the match, which we did, you know, and, and you know, and I knew Guido for years, but even still, I still, you know, I've, I worked Guido a couple times, knew Guido for years, but I was like, you guys are the vets. You guys do so Al Snow plans the whole match. And he goes, you know, I, you know, first we're gonna start our kid voila is gonna come in and da 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 And then, you know, ba 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 he says whatever, similar to what we do, but he starts like but he's starting to say things. And he goes, you know, and then kid voila is gonna get shut down. Boom, 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 boom. Then I'm gonna get the hot tag like a house of fire. <laughs> I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna hit. Hit the ball guy. I'm gonna hit this kid. I'm gonna hit this kid right in his pimple. And then <laughs> then the ball guy's gonna come over to me and he's gonna hit me unnecessarily hard in my back. <laughs> and I'm gonna go, ow. <laughs> like it was just literally that was like it was just stuff like that. It was like this. But yeah, he's like scampy with and he's like, then I'm gonna tag, I'm gonna tag kid voila, and he's gonna come back in like nothing happened, like another house of fire flying off the rope. Like Superman, it's just like, what are you? And I thought, I was like, man, I thought Scampy and I were bad. <laughs> Al Snow is coming on our podcast. Like, oh, that's gonna be great. I freaked out that day. Uh-huh. I got the message, I got the email when I was at Key Food, sitting there on the bench outside Key Food, at birds tweeting, and I'm just like, dude, 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 email. It's like, it's like, and he asked him, he's like, what's the time and date? And Joe's like freaking out, like. And I have a joke thing about <laughs> me, me, me and Geek outside the podcast. I go, someone says something on my phone. I go calendar, and the calendar <laughs> is like right next to me <laughs> on the floor. Like I leave the calendar on, but it's like it's like it's little bed. It sits next to me on the bed on the floor, and I'm with my hand in front of my hand. Someone says I want to come on the podcast on so and so date, and I'm going calendar. Yeah. <laughs> when the man asks for the date, you give him the date. 
It's yeah. Snow, baby. That's the snowman. Like, exactly. Uh, <laughs> then there was one. Uh, then there was one time him and I were teaming. Uh, Scampy actually saved my life at the end of the match. Legitimately saved my life. Um, we were working um, these two, these uh, twin, this twin Bob, like bodybuilder tag team, two blonde haired guys. They're about our height, but like they jacked up bodybuilder guys. They were doing like a German gimmick and everything like that. They used to come out with a noose for some reason. Ooh. So we were, and I had just gotten my, uh, my ear project done, which is this bar here, you know, and everything like that. So I was like, Hey, you know, I could, and then being, I had just got it done. I couldn't take it out yet. I literally had just got, I was like, okay guys, I was like, look, just one favor, please. Just, I'm cool with anything. Just do me a favor. Just watch, just, just don't hit me in the ear, please. Because that will fucking hurt. You know? Cause like, I literally just got a pierced. You know, you just do this and it hurts. You know, it's like still swollen. So I said, look, anything else I'm cool with. I don't piss them on about being hit. Just, just please just don't hit my ear. Only thing I'm asking is don't hit my ear. And uh, God rest us all, Bowles Mahoney was there that night too. And he was, uh, he, he, he watched and he was ready to go to war for us afterwards. But, um, so we have this match and these guys are stiff as hell. I mean, stiff, uh, you know, I can't remember their names, but like again, just two juiced up Jack guys, blonde hair, and you know, after a while, scamping are like, all right, there's only so nice we can be, and we started kind of getting a little hot, so we was getting a little snug with them because they were they, these guys was just like it's two stiff boards, and everything they hit hurt. So I, I don't remember the finish in the match, but what they what the promoter wanted was you know they jump us, ba 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 ba, they get they dump scampy. And they give me the noose thing over the rope, which, you know, you've seen in wrestling a thousand and one times. This is all right. No big deal. Glamas, boom, 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 boom. As they go to attack me. Now, what did I tell you? When I, what did I say I asked them not to do before touch the match the, started? Touch the ear. Don't touch the ear. Boom. Square in it. As I'm in the middle of a cell. Like, let Jeez. me. Hits me square in it. So. And then it's bleeding too. Now it's bleeding. It's like because again, it's fresh, so it's freaking bleeding. My ears ringing, and it's like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, oh my god! And if you ever been hitting in the ear solid, like that'll rock your world. If you've ever been hitting the ear really good, they put the noose on me. They go to throw me. They go to throw me over. I go over, no problem. The noose. See, the thing is, these guys didn't know. They just they looked on the internet how to make a noose, and they did it. They didn't realize there's a way to gimmick it. And then Scampy, uh, Scampy is uh, is legitimately a documented genius. For those of you that don't know, like, regardless of the fisherman gimmick, Scampy's a legitimate de- genius. Uh, like, he once stole, like, an, an anatomy book from his dentist's office just because he wanted to read it. Like, Scampy's a genius. I'm not kidding. Like, the, the term. Absolute genius. But anyway, so these guys looked on the internet how to make a noose. So they made a real noose. Oh, but, so when they threw me over, right away the noose went whap, like snapped right into place, so hard and so fast. And I, 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 I know my defensive how to, I couldn't get my fingers in. That's how tight it was. So I was legitimately being at that moment. I was legitimately being hung. So I'm like okay. struggling out of my voice to call Scampy to freaking come help me because these guys aren't listening because they're doing their damn gimmick. So I'm like, ah, and he finally comes in. I mean, and if you, you guys remember seeing Scampy's hands, Scampy was a, is an engineer for the Long Island Railroad. Scampy got some big hands. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. So then he just went, 
Boom, boom. He started clubbing. He hit him with chairs. He didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit. Boom. And he got the noose off me. I, could, I, was, <laughs> I, had, I had the mark around my both sides of my neck and shit. everything like that. Come to the locker room and Scampy's hot. And we're really, again, we're really cool with balls. I knew balls for years. Balls was pissed. He goes, what the fuck was that? I was just, what the, what the, you know, we would, we do it toes. Just, and then Scampy looks at the rope. He goes, you done fucks. And Scampy's usually like, chill. He goes, you done fucks. You could have freaking killed him. This, this is a freaking real news. You had to tell me, this is no stupid. He goes, what you made was a real noose. If you want to make a gimmick noose so it stays loose, you don't loop it X amount of times. You loop it seven, eight times so the rope so the rope stays loose. It gives yeah. the illusion that it's not. Because like you see how you make a noose and it's got like the spiral around? Mm-hmm. If you go like seven, eight times, it keeps the rope loose. So then now it's just a gimmick. You know, so it doesn't really ever tighten because there's not enough uh, like pull to it. Again, mad genius. Scampy knew this. And everything like that. And <laughs> Dude, Balls was ready to waffle these guys, and like, dude, people were pissed. <laughs> and I like that. I think it was the last time who guys ever got booked anywhere. <laughs> I, I I could imagine right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sounds like, like oh my god, dude, he was. I I, I mean, I like I, I like the cloud, like the the, the 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 like everything was like get, starting to get black as it was coming in, and I'm standing there, and it's like, and it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. You know, like once you get your oxygen cut off, it don't take long at all. And it's just like, Argh! and it's like. But yeah, so yeah, Scampy uh, saved my life on that one. That that's the number one rule of wrestling, I guess. It's like number one rule of wrestling: always protect your opponent, no matter what. Yeah, exactly, but, uh, dude. I'm, I'm I'm giving you the ultimate trust. I'm giving you my body, okay? Yeah. I'm giving you the ultimate trust, and that's my body, you know. And Lord knows we've seen a lot of things happen that way. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the other fun NYWC story that bled into VPW and like that. Um, everybody's seen the movie Waiting, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you guys know the uh, the dick showing game. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, Barry, Scampy, and myself thought it'd be a good idea to implement it into the NYWC locker room. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> I... So a lot of the times you guys were there, that was going on in the locker room and everything like that. Yeah, Scampy got me good with the goat once. Scampy got me good with the goat once. AJ Lee was in the locker room. Thankfully, oh, she didn't geez. see it. <laughs> Because I, like, I was talking to, and this is before she was AJ Lee. So I, I knew AJ before she hit WWE. I knew her when she was just starting out. So we were talking, and luckily she. Had, and so Scampy don't care. So Scampy's like, Dragon, Dragon. I'm like, one second, Dragon, Dragon. So she finally goes away. He goes, Hey, did I sit in gum? And he oh. turns and he gave me the goat. And I was like, Ah! Oh, <laughs> shit. Like, Ah, Jesus Christ! God damn. I got. And the and the real concept and you know we would do the the kicks in the asses for whatever you got caught with and everything yeah we introduced I, I, the uh, waiting dick show game to the NYWC locker room oh god I can imagine oh god I, yeah. I got Spiffy to watch that movie <laughs> and you know and, and those that know Scampy was uh Scampy was very blessed let's just put it that way very very blessed baby's arm holding an apple oh god. <laughs> yeah, them, that wasn't a gimmick in them yellow tights. Oh, <laughs> Mikey used to yell at him because Scampy refused to wear anything underneath it, and he would warm it up before he went out. Oh, you know, geez. I would stand next to him sometime. Like we're getting ready to go out, and I would look over, and he's—I'm like, yeah, I see his hands doing this side to side. 
what are you doing? He's like, I'm warming it up, making it presentable. I'm going, what the hell, man? <laughs> and he goes, hey, man, I'm ugly. This is the only thing I have, okay? Let me get you. <laughs> 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 goes, I'm ugly. This is the only thing I got. I, I think you just killed <laughs> Joe right there. <laughs> All right. I can't argue there. This is okay. And then he got Mikey once. We, I used to, I did a couple of shows here in Jersey. He got Mikey once. Mikey was Mikey purposely bought him an undergarment thing so he could hide it because Scampy's tights, the the yellow tr- short biker shirts you wear, yeah. they were getting old, <laughs> so they were getting oh, a little transparent. <laughs> and so he comes up, he puts it on, and he comes up to Mikey. Now, now Mikey's sitting in a chair and Scampy's standing up. So Mikey's eye level. <laughs> Mikey's at eye level right now. He says, Mikey, is this good? Mike goes, oh, Jesus Christ. He goes, you, you're better off wrapping that thing around your neck three times. <laughs> so um, for those of you wondering the origins of the Team Tremendous name, that's where Dan Barry and Ken Scampy got it from because they're both. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the story of the Team Tremendous name is that. It's both not PG. Not PG. <laughs> That's where the team tremendous name comes from. The both of them. Yeah. The the, the funny thing when, when we did this show with um Dicky, the, the the name that popped up in the whole conversation and actually a story came out about um we were started talking about uh Tara, mm. and she just they said she she went to training one day and then she just disappeared. She like fell off the map and I was like wow. Uh, see, I don't know what happened there. Um, well, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> throwing beans out there against you again. Uh-huh. You guys got stories. Um, <laughs> love Tara to death. Sweetheart. Sweetheart. I love everybody in WWC. Um, it was no secret. Everybody knew like Scampy and Tara were going out for a while. Yeah. And everything like that. But it got to the point. <laughs> Scampy didn't want to date her no more. <laughs> so I was like, uh, okay. Well, he was like, all right. You know, he's talking to me and Foxy because we, we were close. And he's like, well, you know, at least tell her, you know, and everything like that. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. So, um, I forgot how – they were going out to do a match. They were going out – she's managing um, Barry and Scampy, or she's managing Scampy. This is when she was with them. And the heel team goes out, and then they're about to go out, and Foxy and I are on deck. We're at the next match. So, we're all behind that curtain. Kid you not. I kid you not. And it's a sad story, but it's so bad. She goes, you know, you know, does thing with Danny goes, all right, Terry, you know, good luck. Good luck out there and everything. Have a great match. By the way, don't want to go out with you anymore. See you out because his music already hit. He goes, by the way, don't want to go out with you anymore. See you out there. She's like, the music hit. So he already walked out to the curtain and she's got to follow now. He just dropped the bomb. He literally just broke up with her. Two seconds oh, before she had to walk out of the, the curtain. We were just like, like, we were all standing there like, shit. Did that just happen? I think Mikey was standing there and everybody was like, did he just freaking do that? <laughs> so they go out to come match. The moment, she, I felt so bad for her. Okay. The moment she comes to the curtain, she breaks down crying. We was like, oh my God. And I was like, I, I, it was like I, I kind of reamed him out. I was like, dude, like that was messed up. I was like, come on, man. He goes, 
I said, I got tired of it. I couldn't do it no more. I said, but you didn't have to do it that way. That was messed up. That's when you're about to he goes, well, I figured if I did it that way, I didn't have to get stuck in a conversation. She couldn't say nothing back. We had to go out. <laughs> That's messed up. I was like, bro, come on. So, yeah. So, that, oh, God. Yes. Scampi is a... But again, I love that guy. I miss him so much. I miss him every day. I still got his, my Skin Scampi shirt upstairs. and all that. I, I love him so much. Uh, I said, I, I trust him with the world and everything like that. I, I went through, uh, you know, a hard time. My wife and I went through a hard time together. And let me tell you, one of the most solid friends we we had while she and I were going um, through our hard times together was Scampy. Scampy was, uh, you know, when I was uh, being an idiot, young in our marriage and everything like that, he let me know in the middle of the ring. There was, I was actually the um, the show where she turned on me. The show where she turned on me, he legit punched me in the jaw, and he apologized oh, for it. He, he apologized for it before he hit me because he knew he was gonna hit me on purpose. But again, that's how tight we were. Like whenever one of us was being stupid, he would let us know we were being stupid. And so he brings me back. He goes, "Sorry." Boom! Tags me square right in the uh, on the jaw. My jaw literally went sideways. I went completely sideways and came and popped back in. To this day, my jaw occasionally, depending on what I'm doing or I just out of the way, my jaw will literally unhinge for a hot second and then it's got it'll click back in. Like a little I, my jaw literally gets stuck like to the side. And I gotta pop it back into place and it's because it's campy. And every time I do it, I go, fucking scampy. <laughs> so that's my that's my that's my uh memory. Piece, my memorial piece of Scampy for the rest of my life is my jaw unhindering and I had to click it back in. Jeez. But definitely one of the best dudes ever. I mean, I so many fun road trips, so many hanging out, just generally great dude. An awesome, awesome guy, better than anybody. And again, let's say one of the most trustworthy people ever in the business, ever. Yeah, so those are my can scampy stories. Yeah. Anybody else got anything now? Questions? Yeah. Anybody? Any stories yeah. from Mason Rage? <laughs> Mason was a sweetheart of a guy. I loved loved Mason. I have nothing bad to say about Mason whatsoever. Loved Mason to death. Like I mean, I I I, I always felt he, you know, with more experience and time, he'd have been amazing. And I don't see why he couldn't have gone the distance. Absolutely love Mason Rage. Like. He's one of those cases of like, you know, this big giant guy and he's like a huge teddy bear. I was Mason. So soft spoken, such a nice guy, respectful, everything. Absolutely great guy. Anybody else? <laughs> Any uh, MAGA stories? Big, big guy. Yeah, MAGA stories. Uh, MAGA, same thing. Cool dude. Um, I only got to work mega once, and that was when I returned without the disturb gimmick. And I worked uh, mega and Nana. That was when I returned finally after like being gone for months. Uh, we only worked the one time, um, and then uh, I started working ECWA, and he was there for a couple of months still because he was in ECWA way longer before Kettner sold it. So he was still working there for a couple of months, and then like then he was gone. But like I, I um, he recently did Boogaloo's podcast, and I get, sent him a shout out, and he's like, "Oh, dragon." But, I think I was watching that. I was watching that. So yeah, mega, mega, super cool dude. Another one, awesome guy. Um, 
I, I remember a Grim Reaper store. You remember, uh, there was a Grim Reaper store where um, I would get, I would always be at the shows and uh, ask Grim Reaper for an autograph. He'd be like, "Do you have a pen?" I'm like, "No, I'm sorry." And he'd be like, "Sorry, you're not getting my autograph then." <laughs> I know, I know Reef for a long time. Reef's a super cool dude. Um, I do have an NYWC Reefer story. Um, mm-hmm. okay, so there was the the Fatal Five way we did. It was myself, Reefer, uh, Jay Lethal, Dan Barry, and um, Quiet Storm. We had that that five way match, and Reefer used to do um, no, he used to do that double springboard dive uh, Swanton to the outside. So you know we we're having a stellar, stellar freaking match. When Reefer did it, he overshot them a little bit, and um. His foot hit the guardrail. He broke his foot in that Ooh. match. And that's why, like, if you if you go back and watch that match or if you have memories of it, when he comes in hobbling, so he's, work, he's working the rest of the match with a broken foot. Mm. Yeah, completely broke his foot instantly. But uh, mm. Reefer's another cool dude. Love Reefer. Love him to death. I Foxy just saw something. They're supposed to be doing a JCW reunion out here. And he's apparently booked for it. I haven't seen Reef in years, but love, love, love Reefer. Uh, Once in a blue, Quiet Storm and I will shoot messages back and forth because uh, for those who don't know, Quiet Storm's been living happily and wrestling in Japan for years now. Mm-hmm. His son is redonkulously thick. Has like his arms are huge. His arms are absolutely huge. But yeah, Quiet Storm's been uh, wrestling over in Japan for a long, long time. Got got a wife. Got a kid. Still doing his thing out there, loving every minute of it. We're trying to find, re- get in touch with Reefer, but I, I don't know if he has an Instagram. And yeah, I, don't I, know. Found, I, I found, I found him actually. He's still, he's wrestling. He's actually still wrestling. Actually, you yeah. should message him later on. Maybe he'll respond on a, one of our random days because we still yeah. have like some random days. Like we have like, I think it's September or August. We have like the two o'clock shift, even though Geeks kind of like. That's the that's the late holiday months. We shouldn't do those. <laughs> but still, if the fan, if the wrestlers want us, don't take it away from them. That's what I say to him. Oh, we got there something. Let's have a retirement <laughs> match with you. <laughs> Come on, Damien, one more match. <laughs> oh God, my body would not allow it. God, my body would not allow it. <laughs> Have you seen a remember an episode of uh, Futurama? <laughs> the body. The mind is willing, but the body is soft and squishy. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I. I, I think. I, I. Did I tell you when I did the one out of retirement? I did one comeback match. Not one comeback. I did one special match a year I, after retirement. I think you. To- I think you told, but you could tell me. Yeah, with the, with the with the with the bumpy ring and everything. Yeah, after that one, uh, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. Uh-huh. Squish the bug that night. <laughs> Gladly go in and help. And teach to a spot. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no match. Take it easy. <laughs> take it easy, James, my brother. Act- no match. You know what's funny? If I did ever go into wrestling, I would say this, and you just said you no, no. If I want to become a wrestler, I would, I would ask you to. I would, I would be like, just put me over. Let the crowd get me over, Damien. I know you're hurt, but just like have you, <laughs> and, you and Foxy come in one last time and just like <laughs> your gimmick and have. 
Foxy like slap me in the face and have you do your finisher on me and just put me over like you get knocked out and let me pin you. <laughs> the, the, the whole the whole Kogan the whole Kogan uh was it the NWO take a, angle? Take a po- uh, take a you're done. That's it. Okay. With the steel chair and it put me on top of on top of you. Okay, like that. I'm oh, so man. sorry. Masawa and Kawanda match. Oh man. But, my I don't think I did that once uh, with Stryker. Stryker and I's first one-on-one, we did it like that. And um, I almost knocked him out in the first 30 seconds <laughs> with, with an open-hand slap. Uh, we did this thing because we had we were teaming, and then we did the breakup. So then we did this whole uh, – he was like a USA Pro's like secondary champion. I was the New York State Championship. So whoever won like their battle where we have battle royal type thing faced him at the end of the night. So of course I won. So we could in and we, you know, we make like we're, he's making like we're gonna high five and people bought it, and then we he slaps me. So I go to slap him back. Problem is, um I again just the, naturally the way I throw it, I throw it like a martial arts strike almost. It's just very natural for me because it comes that way. I smacked him. And I literally almost knocked him out of the, on his feet. He had to roll out, and like the boogie knights are kind of holding him up because he's like, <laughs> I literally like almost knocked him out with an open hand slap. <laughs> and the rest of the match, we worked that style though. So I had him in the corner, and I'm hitting him with the Kawada clotheslines. And my, you know, he's a bigger guy than me, but I know how to throw my weight. And I'm like, wham, wham! And every time I'm hitting, him, he goes, "Oh, you stiff bitch, you stiff bitch!" <laughs> every time I, I said, this is what you wanted to do because we wanted to make. Wanted people, we wanted people to buy into the fact that we hated each other. So we were like, all right. See, the good thing is, like, when you work people you like, you know, you kind of go, but when you work, because at the time, him and I were really close at the time. When you start working guys you're really close with, you're like, you look, you tend to lay it in a little bit more because you know you can get away with it with each other. So we used to lay into each other, and man, oh, dude, I, yeah, so I almost knocked him out with the open hand slap, and then I, I remember hitting him with the clotheslines. But he got his back on me, too. It wasn't like I was on me. He got me, too, a couple of times. It was a rematch at the Elks Lodge. He caught me with one and everything. I, he nailed me with one good one, too. Uh-huh. So, yeah. It's another fun one. Actually, you're going to think this is really cool. A female wrestler from Tokyo actually got in contact with – I messaged her, and I forgot, and I did my typical delete the comment because nobody's – delete the message. Nobody – the person's not looking. And then the girl messaged us back, and I guess Geek was like, Joe, who's this person? And I'm, I she found out where she's from. I think she, I think, I think Geek looked it up and he's like, she's from Tokyo. And I'm like, how are we going to do a show with her? I keep looking at the phone and then I'll be at Geek's house for the 16th. So Geek kind of said to me, just, why don't we just, we were talking on the phone. He said, why don't we just do the show at five o'clock in the morning? I said, Geek, you're going to have to pump my ass. With- <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I am a night owl. Do you want to do this interview, Joe? Come on. It's, you have Come to on. Okay, get, yeah, take one for the Thing. Get the coffee and let's what go. Else you guys what else you want to know? What else you want to know? We're doing, um, we're doing good here. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. If you ever got a chance to get, like go back in the ring, like in and you got a chance to go to like to Japan, would you do it? And they called you back, go to like NJ and one like a bass tournament. Would you ever do it? Oh, not now. I couldn't. Uh, now Japan is um. It's the one place I always I always wanted to wrestle in Japan. My dream was always wanted I always wanted to wrestle there. I never got to. But wrestling in Japan as a as a as an American as a guy gene is is not easy, and it's not easy for any of them. It's hard. 
Because I, I think I, I, um, I don't know if it was with you guys or with the other interview I did where I talked about when I did the trial and the New Japan Dojo, and that was just like two days. They don't play out there. Like them guys, like it's 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 a harder ring because when I trained in Dory Funk's ring in Florida, Dory Funk had a Japanese style ring, and it's very hard, very very stiff ring, stiffest ring I've ever been in is a Japanese style ring, very stiff. Um, but um, like when you go out there as a new guy, you have to again, you have to. If you if you notice the young lions, they don't even have gimmick attire. It's like black boots, black trunks. You have to earn wearing a gimmick and becoming your gimmick for X amount of time. So they deem that you can, you know, if you look at black at all the names now at, at Tanahashi and all of them, when they started out as young lions, it was black trunks, short hair, black boots, and that's it. You know, you, and you went out there and, and, you know, you, and you had to train every day, super hard set up, you know, sleeping situation, you know, it's guys crowded in the, and not the greatest of, of sleeping quarters and everything like that, just to be a part of this. And it's not easy. So there's like no way I would be able to go there and do that. Now I'm in no shape or condition to do that now. Uh, had I done it years ago? Absolutely. Like when I was in like really great shape and I, I would have taken that torment, I would have taken that torture. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'm in no condition to take that. Um, yeah, New Japan training or any Japanese dojo training is is it's not easy. It's very very hard. I mean, there's guys that quit. There's guys that quit because they put you through hell. You get put through hell. Because right now, um, Shibata Shibata does, is the main instructor at the New Japan dojo in California, and there's um YouTube videos. They did a documentary. Like I think it's like a five six part series uh, on the New Japan um YouTube channel, and watch it. And see the training that these guys go through. It's no joke, man. It is no joke what what, what they train and they go through. It's it's not easy. Trust me. Some of these guys are, like, really, really good. And they're, like, still young lions. And I'm like, geez, you know? Yeah, like I said, but again, if you watch those training videos, it's like, wow. You know, and Shibata is not easy on them. Carries a kendo stick at times, and they get the kendo stick whips, and it's conditioning, 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 and he puts them through. He puts them through hell. He put he trains them. Jap the way they get trained in Japan is the way Shibata is training them in in the New Japan Dojo in California. It's wow. no joke. It is no joke. Uh, and there's guys that went there, like that had experience and everything like that, and they were like, "I have never been through anything like this whatsoever." Ever. And like I said, I mean, I, I went through it for two days. I did it. And luckily I was in good condition and I made it through to the tryout match and everything like that. And I mean, I just, it wasn't the right timing for me. Um, I mean, I don't know. Did I, did I tell you this, the guys, uh, the, 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 new, the new Japan uh, story or was I, again, I don't know if I was Adam. I told no, that. No, yeah, you didn't tell. Okay. So, um, so uh, Boogie and I, uh, me, uh, we went to, uh, California for a week out. We got invited to come up for the weekend tryout for New Japan. Um, go out there, uh, and the the first day is just literally calisthenics and training, calisthenics and training, and and they're basically trying to gas you out and make people drop and quit and everything. And like I said, I was thankfully I was in good shape because I I knew what I was going. I had an idea. I'm not gonna say I knew. I had an idea what I was going to do, so I wanted to be in good condition. Thankfully, my cardio was up. 
That's when I was like very lean and everything like that. And I made it through the first day. And so did Boogaloo. Second day we come back and it was just like, you know, more the same. But those that made it through, then then from that group, they picked guys that they wanted to see in the ring. Um, so they start going around and they, you know, I made it through the first day, made it through the second day. And then they start calling names for people they want to see in the ring. And I thought they had said Boogaloo. And I was like, Boogie, they said you. He goes, no, bro. He goes, dude, I'm out of gas. He goes, like, Boogie was like, I can't do it. I was like, I'm done. He goes, I- I'm out. I can't. I'm done. He goes, but they did call you. So get your ass over there. They called you. Uh, so I go over. They put us in tag teams. Um, shirts off. I said, I want everybody's shirts off. They want nobody with t-shirts on. <clears throat> everybody's shirts off. Work a tag team match. And it was more on the fly than anything else. They really didn't want you like, they we want you to work. Okay. Um, Tom Marquez was there at the time. Rocky Marmero was there at the time. Uh, and everything like that. So we worked was the tag. I'm sorry? Daniel Bryan, was he there too? Or because uh, I remember. No, him no, too. Daniel wasn't there. I think I think this is slightly after Joe had just left. Because Joe was a trainer okay. there for a while because Joe was from California. Okay. But um, so we're there doing a the thing. Uh, I do the tag match. I mean, all these like, you know, four to six minutes we did, very short. They just wanted to see us work. Worked, decent match, very cool. Um, so they pulled me on the side, and I knew Dave Marquez from other shows. Uh, working NWA uh, and stuff like that because I worked a couple NWA shows and they were like look we don't want you to take this as a dejection so you know we want to offer you this much right now you're not the the size that we're looking for because this is when um this is when New Japan was going a little more of a theatrics and cinematic that that period in New Japan time it was like mm-hmm. big entrances and everything was like very glitz and glamour in that period of, of New Japan. So they were like, look, we're not looking for anybody your size right now. But we want you to walk away with this much. You did fantastic through, through, through the tryouts. Like, you you killed through the tryouts. So your match was great. And they basically said, this is if we had to compare you to anybody, we would compare your in-ring work to a young Eddie Guerrero. And I was like, wow. Like, that blew me away. I was like, what? Like, we would compare you to a young Eddie Guerrero. Again, it's just the unfortunate thing is right now you're not the you're not what we're looking for. And it's the same thing like WWE, like WWE one moment moment they're looking for, you know, seven foot guys. Then the next moment they're looking for women. It depends on what they're looking for at the moment. So though I did really great, I just didn't fit what they were looking for at that time. But again, wow. I walked away with a hell of an experience. I got to experience what it was like at that time. And and to walk away at least knowing Work-wise, I was developing in the right direction I wanted to be going, and that I was I was working well and everything, you know. So, so yeah, that's my new Japan story. But yeah, I mean, if I if I I couldn't handle going now, there's no way I'm in no shape condition for it all. I mean, I I sleep. I I honestly um I sleep with aches and pains, and I wake mm-hmm. up in pain. Uh, I can. I can only sleep so long on, on one shoulder before before it's like too much pain and then I strip to the other side. And then same thing. Other side, I get pain to where I eventually have to wind up on my back. Um, every so often, I have to like – like you guys know the Iron Gym pull-up bar? I have yeah, yeah. set up just so I can hang and then occasionally pop my shoulder out because my shoulder has a tendency to, to cramp inwards. And the only way I can relieve it is I have to hang and let my shoulder literally pop back out from uh, oh, to get space again. 
and everything. So, yeah, I mean, between that, uh, my ankles, my knees, my lower back, uh, I wrestled my entire, um, my entire career. I wrestled with a sciatic pinched nerve on my right side. And that stems back from the time I was 16 to karate. So I wrestled my entire career with a pinched nerve in my back. It still bothers me today. So yeah, yeah. It is, it, and that was part like a lot of it, you know, other than family was also just the last like two years. I was just a lot of pain, like even road tripping, getting in a car, getting out of the car. It's like, I'm like, like it was like, it was hard for me. Like I get my knees would hurt. My back would hurt sitting in a car for so long would be become painful that after like the first hour and a half, two hours, I'm like starting to fidget in the back seat like a kid. I'm like, trying to find a way to get comfortable but i couldn't because i was in so much pain utterly so much pain so uh the, the, we've been asking a lot of our guests this and a lot of the newer wrestlers do this i don't know if you've seen it on like the youtube what do you what do you have what do you think about like the the intergender matches they're doing these days with men and women what do you think um about it's not i i i worked i worked them before I worked them and it was, it was different, uh, back then versus now, you know, um, because like ECW, like, you know, Bill Alfonso and Beulah, I mean, look at that and everything like that. Like you, in today's day and age, you can't get away with it too much. I mean, it, it, on the Indies you could do it, but not so much in a commercial form. Like WWE won't touch it because mm -hmm. you know, and everything like that, yeah. like they'll have, you know, but like, it, it doesn't bother me, but if it, if you do it in the right, if you do it in the right context where it makes sense and it doesn't really, nobody, nobody it, we're, trying to, trying to word it. For instance, uh, an example years ago when Sable powerbombed Mark Merrill, it looked ridiculous, you know, because it was like, she was like weighed how much and she was real thin with the exception of what she had going on in front of her chest. And she picks up this 200 plus some odd guy and does a powerbomb. How believable is that? Yeah, you know what I mean, it's not very believable. And one, it's not very believable. Two, what did that do for Mark Marrow? It did nothing for Mark Marrow, and it it, it kind of hurt him. And, and yeah. it, if you think about it, like it made it like you just got power bombed by like some hundred and ten pound blonde, and you're two hundred, and you're supposed to be this boxer, and it just, you know. Yeah. But like, if you get like certain, you know, it. it if the woman, if you're doing these intergender matches, if the woman is, I'm not saying it can't be done, but if the woman's got to be believable, you know what I mean? It's got to yeah. be believable in some respect, in some aspect. You know, you do a mixed hat, mixed match with like Shayna Baszler. You know, Shayna made her kick somebody's ass. Yeah, <laughs> anybody's, anybody's ass. You know, Oscar. Uh, you know, Asuka did them in Japan. I mean, she yeah. got laid to waste. Have you ever seen her intergender matches in Japan? And if you haven't, yeah. Yeah, with, Kenny, with, with Kenny, the ones with Kenny. No, not with Kenny Omega. With like one of the other Japanese wrestlers, and this guy was not nice to her at all. And she took it, and she and she and the guy even raised her hand in it because like he beat the hell out of her. But like you know, Asuka's another one. You can kind of you can believe it. You can believe because you know she's tough, and you know. But like you just, it's got to come off believable. That's the thing. You can't just stick anybody in there with anyone for the sake of having an intergender match. You know, it's got to fit. Like, I love I love Alexa Bliss's work. But let's take Alexa Bliss and then put her in the win, put her in the intergender match with, I don't know, say, um, I don't know, it's a, 
pick somebody tough and badass. You know? Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Like, <laughs> they did what they did with it. They did what they did with it, and they made it work. But if they had in a real context of a match, would would you believe it? No. If she was bumping them all over the place, no, because her her persona doesn't show that. Now you put Randy in there with like Nia Jax, so you put Ni- Randy in there with Shayna. You know, there you put Randy in there with Charlotte. I'll buy it a little bit. You know, Ronda Rousey was kind of believable because you know her background. It's believable. But you you know you can't take like a Alexa or a Zelina Vega. Put Zelina Vega in there with you know Biggie. Not believable. Not believable at all. You know what I mean? So it's like you. So that's why. I, so I don't have a problem with intergender matches. Again, I worked them. I had Foxy as my partner multiple times. I I had uh I used to do mixed tag team matches for with Johnny Rods for Johnny Rods and everything like that. And so long as you can make it believable and the, and the girl and the guy make it believable, fine. You know, like I said, I did them with Foxy, but we worked them in a way where, again, it was believable. Because the guy I was feuding with was bigger than her, so he would abuse. But the guy he was teamed with was smaller and thinner. So obviously all of her major offense came off of the smaller guy because he was about the same build and height as her. And everything like that. You know what I mean? So, again, it was believable. And then, you know, moments she would get in trouble, then I would, like, boom, help her out and put her back or over or whatever like that. And then the same thing, you know, like, that's where it makes it believable. But, like, you know, that's the way it works. Like, we did a thing once. I was working uh, Jay Lethal. And Jay used to love working with us. Used to work. So, she used to do a really good um, Tornado DDT. Unfortunately, she never got to do it for NYWC, but she does a nice, nice Tornado DDT. So, Jay, at, you know, strong guy you know she could do it on a guy if you do the gimmick where the guy is like laid out to waste or whatever like that and she does it fine or if the guy's like her size fine but jay was you know very well built guy so you know jay lays me out and everything like that she comes behind him and she grabs him by the hair and she hooks him for the tenure to ddt so when she goes to jump he literally like grabbed her and like he threw her off she lands on her feet and he goes to the clothesline and she ducks and runs away and everything like that again believability you know yeah because a fresh Jay Lethal taking a DDT from a Foxy Foxy makes no sense. Yeah. It's not believable. You know what I mean? It's not believable whatsoever. You know, she did this other thing the first time she took an amazing bump. It's on YouTube as well. You know, the guy I'm feuding with, you know, you know, nails me, whatever, like that. And she grabs, like, his doll. He has, like, this doll gimmick. And he kicks her and he power bombs her, you know? He didn't stand there and take it from her. She took her and powerbombed her, and she was out, and she got, and she stayed down, and she got ca- the locker room cleared, and she got carried out. You know, as opposed to getting up and selling it and walking back, you just got p- powerbombed by a guy like probably about a good 30, 40 pounds on you. You better be getting carried out. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're a small woman. You get powerbombed by a guy bigger than you, and then you want to walk out like this? I mean. Yeah, so it's again. I have no problem with intergender matches so long as it's in the right context and believable. And that goes with any kind of match, anything. You know, it's got to be believable. If it's not believable and it makes no sense, then you know it doesn't come off. It never comes off. We just had a we just had a girl on our podcast. She uh, wrestled wrestled the guy, and uh, she's big, so yeah. she has she has a big punch. So. When she goes to hit at him, it's believable because she's big. Yeah, yeah. So, 
you know, so. and, and, and it's not necessarily just a girl that's that's big. It depends on like the gimmick that they portray. Like Candice LeRae when she was on the Indies, she did a lot of intergender matches. Oh man, I remember like some of the and matches busted open and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So like she but, used to do hardcore matches and stuff like that. But her work style, even though she's so small, her work style and doing everything that she does balanced it out. You know, she keeps the big guy off balance, keeps the big guy off balance, keeps the big guy off balance, until eventually she gets caught. She gets caught, then she gets waylaid, then the big guy makes a mistake, and then she starts going again. Again, Mm -hmm. finding a way to make it believable. You know, it's just, it's the David versus Goliath match, but just done with a man and a woman. (laughs) You know what I mean? But whereas, like, you take, like, a, you take, like, an awesome Kong, you take a Jordan Grace, Anybody like that stature or, or, or Nia Jackson, yeah, then you could put them in the ring with a man. And it's, a, you know, you, okay, they can kind of go toe to toe. I can see it. Or you take somebody like a Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler who have a very well known MMA background. It's believe, you know, you take Oscar, who's known as a super hard striker. You could make it work. You could play with that and they're like that. But you just can't take any, a random female. It does, it, you got to know what you're doing and how to play with it. You got to, you know, it's like playing chess. You got to know how to play the game. You got to know how the pieces move and everything like that. Unless the best using her magic was like not really believable with uh, Randy Orton. I mean, that's a cinematic. I mean, the funny thing is, okay, so everybody picked a part at that. Everybody's like, oh, this whole. And, and I get it. I get it. We're in a different age. But let's call a spade a spade here. Take the same context. You're going to tell me over the years of wrestling, you have not seen hokier stuff than that? Look at about how much of the stuff The Undertaker did. Somebody's trying to get out of the ring, and Undertaker goes like this, and lightning strikes the ring, and everything like that. So Undertaker could do that, but Elixabeth can't do what she did? Come on. Right or wrong? Where's that? 100, 100% right. 100% Papa right. Papa Shango. It was a voodoo gimmick, and he would do stuff to people, and they would, and, you know, the, the thing he did with the Undertaker, and he would take, I mean, uh, with uh, Ultimate Warrior, and Ultimate was like, ah, and he had black stuff coming out of his mouth and all like that. How believable is it? You know, it's funny. I, I think maybe they did it, but you really didn't. They didn't make it a big deal. They never ever had like a gimmick with the Undertaker getting possessed by Papa Shango. But still, though, it's like. Again, look at the stuff that Papa Shango did. Look at the stuff the Undertaker did through the years and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, even to the most recent, the Fiend, the the, the Firefly Funhouse matches that he that like he had with John Cena. Okay, it was an entertaining as hell, but in the context that people are complaining, the Firefly Funhouse match falls into the same context. Yep. It was hokey, is what you're trying to say, right? It, John Cena walked into this whole mystical world and everything like that, and he kept getting flashed through different points in his career, and it was a match. You know, okay. So we can't. So we can't take that. We can't take that and believe. And what uh, Alexa Bliss did. Randy Orton lighting the fiend on fire, and then the fiend comes back. Burnt and everything like that. The new mask. Yeah, well, well, looking like he was burnt up. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you knew it was a gimmick and everything like that because you saw the four. But it was like, 
So I think it was, I almost want to say it's sexist or whatever, because it's Alexa bliss. But again, look back at that stuff. It, Undertaker did that stuff. Papa Shango did that stuff. That stuff's been going on for years, years. You know, it's like I used to work shows with Steve Carino. Steve Carino's like, look, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just putting shiny rims on it. <laughs> you know, we're doing, we're doing all the same stuff. We're just changing the way we're doing it. But we're doing all the same stuff. You know, it wasn't the first time I've seen anything like what Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss did. I've, I've seen it before growing up in my year. That's all it. I've seen it. Uh, you know, and, and again, if you start picking at it like that, then we might as well pick apart everything. The Ultimate Warrior. What sense does that gimmick make? None. It's kind of dumb. I come from... I, I, I can't even spout off where he said he used to come from. Parts Unknown or whatever, you know? Um, Get from far away or something. The, the, the Missing Link. Oh, God. What sense? Uh, Kamala. You're going to tell me you went to the Uganda and got some savage and brought him over here? Yeah. Uh, character Nails. Oh, some guy from prison is in WWE. The Mountie. The Mountie. Uh, down to the Undertaker. We're supposed to believe this guy is undead. This is the undead man. Yeah, this guy's undead. Finn Balor. Finn Balor. The, Finn, the you know, Finn Balor's demon thing. Uh, yeah. George the Animal Steel. Oh, my gosh. You know, it goes on and on and on and on and on. The baseball Come on. players, the hockey players. You know? Like, so, so, every, so in, in picking apart Alexa Bliss and what, she, and what they wrote for her, you're just picking apart everything. It's like right now, everybody's hating on, Nikki, on the Nikki Cross gimmick and they're bl- blaming WWE. It was Nikki Cross's idea. And Nikki Cross is ex- it's said in her promos why she's doing it. It's not so much a superhero thing, whatever. Like, and, what, and they're like, oh, they've ruined Nikki Cross. It, one, it was her idea. And two, I listened to her promos on why she's doing it. It's, not, it's, it's the ideal of being a superhero that she can do anything and everything like that. And makes her feel like she's empowered. And even if she gets knocked down, she gets back up. That's believable. Mm-hmm. She's just using the costume as an as a outlet of what it is she's trying to express. Like a metaphor? Yeah, exactly. She's basically, she's literally said in the promos, it's a metaphor for what she's trying to express to people, that you can get back up and you can do anything and I can do it and da 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 Then you go back, again, they complain about Nikki Cross, but then you go back to the hurricane. Where the hurricane full on was being a hokey superhero. Mighty Molly. Mighty Molly. And they loved him. How over was the hurricane? He was so over. And then they had Rosie, and they loved Rosie. And then they had Mighty Molly, and they loved Mighty Molly. So what's the big deal with Nikki Cross in a superhero suit? And even though she's saying that superhero suit is a metaphor for what it does for her and what she wants little boys and girls to feel and people to feel. You know, so again, Alexa Bliss is not doing anything new that hasn't been done. And, and, and Nikki Cross isn't either. It's just it's a different generation of of fans that see wrestling in a different way, and everything like that. And at the end of the day, it's it's wrestling. It's entertainment. Okay, it it was an industry that started out with you with people watching two grown men practically naked 
rolling around and flipping around with each other. Come on, it can't get more ridiculous than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It can't get more ridiculous than that. And again, you know, we watch it because we enjoy it and everything like that. And that, and that's the that's the thing, you know. Like, and no matter how many times I've said it in interviews, you gotta watch it because you enjoy it. Don't really pick apart at it, you know. NXT has a nice blend of it. NXT's got a really nice blend of it and does it very well and everything like that. But you know. I guess you know Raw is the big flagship, and right away it's this, this, and this, and this. But again, SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. So everything, but again, everything you're picking apart right now has been done and was the stuff that 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 people cheered and thought was great at one time. So what's the difference? You know, and that's the way. I, that's the way I see it. So yeah, what else you got for me? Well, that's my take on the whole <laughs> Sticky Cross thing. Yeah, I wanna- <laughs> Let's see if they have anything else. It's kind of difficult. Yeah. Ah, no worries. <laughs> we yeah. just sit. We just sit here in silence. <laughs> no, 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 dead air. <laughs> oh, we can't have dead air. No, we can't. No can't dead air. No dead air. Our, our, our uh, school teacher would tell us like that for radio used to tell us no I dead. Used, I, I even at key food, I get I get so irritated when they go over the PA and it's like Junior to the deli. Deli, and I'm <laughs> I'm packing the truck, and I just stop. These Was there something more to what you wanted to say? <laughs> like these motherfuckers just went quiet on the goddamn air and eat food. Dead air, motherfuckers! As I'm packing the truck in the back by myself. Gun show, gun <laughs> show, a gun show. Yeah, man, yeah, man. Hide your girl, hide hide your daughters. Gun show, hide your daughters. <laughs> oh man. And anything else you guys want to know from me? Um, I already asked like I asked you about the, the worst crowd. So, what was the worst bump you ever took in the ring? Worst bump? Um, I would definitely say um the like I'm not gonna count the table spot because that's a gimmick thing. That's not really like a bump. One of the probably worst worst bumps was definitely um. Definitely the one I told you about on the when I came out of like I did the special. Uh, that was bad. Like that was really really bad. Was was coming out of that Spanish fly in a bad ring because it messed up my back pretty good. Uh, another one, uh, not really a bump, but coming down. I did a a, a frog splash. This is when I was working in Dor- Dory Funk's ring. Um, and I told you Dory Funk um, had a Japanese style ring because he liked the Japanese work style. So that's the ring one. So. For those of you that don't know, the American ring, you know, is the metal frame and plywood. Dory's wasn't built that way. Dory's had the metal frame, obviously, but instead of the uh, plywood, he had, um, like, thick wooden planks. They were, like, this thick, this wide, and they went across the thing. They were thick, thick, thick wood planks. And then on top of that wasn't, like, a rollout gymnasium mat or anything. He just had commercial carpet. So commercial carpet and wood has zero gift, none. Like, you know, as, as wrestlers, you know, we tend to slap out. Like slapping hurt because it was so hard and solid. A lot of guys just started using their elbows because to slap with your hands hurt so bad. So the last two days after a week of training, we did um, we did shows on the Saturday and Sunday. 
so I worked his main guy because I had the most experience and everything. Um, so we worked the main events for both. And I get him down and I go to do a frog splash. When I came down, I hit my and my I had the the AMA pads that I really, like really good knee pads. But my knee came down so hard that like it felt like something locked up. And I was like, oh God. And I couldn't my knee swelled out like really bad. And I was like, what the hell happened? I come back home and I'm doing indie rest, but my knee was still bothering me. And I still had some swelling on the lower part of my uh, right kneecap on the low end. I had swelling. So then I'm working an Elks Lodge show as for USA pro. And they happen to have a chiropractor there that day and everything. And Loki was, was around to him. I mean, Loki and I go way back and we're always very cool. So, I tell the chiropractor what I was like, look, you know, my, my, he does my back and everything like that. But I was like, you know, he's like, anything else? I said, yeah, my knee. I was like, for the last few months, because I had been back from Florida now for about three, four months with my knee bothering me. And I refused to go to the doctors. Refused. I hate going to doctors. And um, the guy tells me to lay down on my front. And he goes, huh, I see the problem. Says, what? Uh, when he looked at me, my one leg was apparently longer than the other. So he grabs the shorter one, which is the one where the knee is. And he grabs it in the way and grabs it, and there's a loud pop. Pop. And Loki goes around and looks, whoa! Like he was like, whoa! He's like going to throw up because the pop was so audible and so loud in the locker room. And then my knee instantly felt better. I was like, oh, God, what'd you do? Because your kneecap was out of place for the last three, four months. When I came down and hit that ring, apparently I had like slightly dislodged my kneecap where I had pushed it down a couple of inches. So the, so, so the swelling I thought I had wasn't swelling. It was my kneecap. <laughs> my kneecap was lower than where it needed to be. So when he yanked my ye- leg and, and fixed it, the kneecap went back into place. So, Yeah. Any indication on what a Japanese ring feels like? There you go. <laughs> mm. are, are low keys kicks as hard as they say, or uh, have you ever worked had low keys kicks before? Or, uh... I worked. I only worked one match with. Okay, I worked one match with Loki. It was like his second professional match uh, out on a show ever. So it was like very started out. I mean, I, I was still green and young. I had a little more years on him, but I was still learning. I was still young, and he was still starting out and everything like that. And I wasn't too familiar with his style at the time because I was still working Johnny. So I, I hadn't gotten very privy to the international style uh, as, as I would eventually. And actually, he was like a good introduction to it. Uh, but we had a decent match. Uh, and, and, and Loki and I always have gotten along for years and everything like that. Always gotten along. Better we see each other. Always cordial. Always laugh. I'm one of the few people that can make him laugh. I'm one of the people that actually make Loki laugh. I can proudly say, this now turns into a story, I am one of the few people that made him laugh in the ring at the oh, Elks Lodge. Uh, at the Elks Lodge, I made him laugh in the ring. Uh, the spot was, um, it was like USA Pro and ICW type thing. And uh, Jack's in the ring with the belt. Loki comes out. And so this is when Boogie and I were the natural born killer. So we were always at Jack's side. And, um, uh, you know, Jack's like, you know, we're going to crown our first ICW champion. And he names Xavier the champion. Like he, 
hands Xavier the champion and makes him the champion. So there was no match to make him official. Now, Loki was at this time was very hot in the New York area and everything like that. So Loki comes out and he's like, you know, cuts the promo, scanning about, you know, you don't just hand titles, you earn them. Blah, 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 so Boogie and I come around, bop, 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 and we grab him by the arms. And um, Xavier waffles him with the belt. And I mean, Xavier got him good too, because this is like, this is like not a replica belt, but it was just like a legit belt, very thick. The letters were embossed and everything. And Xavier waffled low key so hard that the letters were imprinted on his head. Oh, like, shit. <laughs> like, they were like literally imprinted on his head. So he's laying there, he's selling it, knocked out. And so. <laughs> This is around when Friday came out. <laughs> so so I got I get down on my hands and knees and I go right in front of his face. And I go, You got knocked the fuck out <laughs> in the middle of the house lunch. And Loki goes, he's like holding his legs, you're an asshole. <laughs> so he's like laying there trying not to laugh, and he's just like He's like holding it in, so his his face is getting a little red. <laughs> he comes to the lair. He goes, "You're such an asshole! What the fuck?" <laughs> <wrong with you?" laughs> <laughs> this is a Jesus because you know when Key goes out, Key's very serious. Even in the back, you know Loki is very serious. He's very intense. What you see is what you get. He's one of the hardest training to this day. He's one of the hardest training people you will ever see. But if he likes you, he will joke with you and everything like that. There was one time um, we were at the we were at the Deer Park Community Center uh, working for USA Pro. And uh, he pulls uh, uh like, we we're in the back. And he pull, walks up to me with, uh, like, the like the big fat cake knife. <laughs> you know, like, they're not sharp at all. And I'm like, I look at him, what are you going to do with that? Spread me to death? And he goes, he goes, and he starts doing this to me. He starts spreading me. <laughs> so he's actually a really, really funny dude. Loki's an awesome guy. I, again, but it's again, you gotta like really know him for him to yeah. let you to let you in. Wow. And him and I again, I I, I had no I had known him. I know my I knew Monster Mac, but Monster Mac was like half a Monster Mac. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I like I go that far back with them and everything like that when they were all just starting out. And everything. So all, all cool dudes. You know, I get along amazing with homicide. Love homicide to death. And everything like that. Did you tell the story, Joe, or no? <laughs> oh God. Joe's got a homicide story. It's gonna be <laughs> Joe coming out old school wrestling. You might me, come at you might me, come after him. <laughs> me, me, me and Geek used to go to NY uh, you know, NYWC shows. He got me to go to Ring of Honor. So we were at this Ring of Honor show. Show's going great. Great show. I think that same day I met uh, Foley. I think. I don't remember. Well, it was Foley. Foley was there that day. Yeah, well, we were walking around and we see outside uh, and, and uh, Julia Smokes at a table. So Geek's like, let's go say hi. And I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, how you doing, guys? And he's like, can you can you hold this? And um, Smokes, is it Smokes that? Yeah, was it smoke? smoke said, "Hold the envelope for me, oh, please." Said, oh, oh, dang it, Lance! You just <laughs> he said, "Hold it." I was like, "All right, man, no problem." And geek, geek, geek said, "All right, I want that." Then he, he didn't. He, they exchanged the money, and I'm just standing there holding the certain item in my hand, and we're walking away. And I'm walking away. And Lance is walking in front of me, looking around, not paying attention. In my hand, still with the item in my hand, 
And I go, typical me, loud little Puerto Rican Italian guy. Holy fuck. And I'm like, he's like, what? I'm like, fuck. Fuck. Like John Leguizamo, you know, like geek knows. I'm Mr. John Leguizamo. You know. We both agree, Damien. Yeah. John Leguizamo is the, the god of the god, the god of What's life. What's in the envelope, Joe? <laughs> like, what the fuck? I'm like, dude, what the fuck, man? Man, I'm gonna go to die. And he goes, oh, that's that's what I, that's a, the money. This is the paycheck. I'm like, oh my god, how do we do? You want to drop it and run? And evil Joe clown was going, we're at an ROH show. We can buy every t shirt on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, the, the happy John Lucas sounds like, you don't want to die, Joe. Do you? <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's homicide. So we walk back to the table. Geek's like 10 rows back, like 10 feet, 10, 15 meters, standing there like, you know how Lance is. I was like, always nervous about everything. And he's like, go, Joe. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'll be there. I turn back. He's standing like 10 feet back, just staring like the. And I walk over and I was like, yo, guys, man, homicide, dude. I'm so sorry, man. Here you go, bro. And he goes, yeah, we good, bud. He's like, see you later, man. And I'm just like. Because you were honest. My dad's a cop. My dad would have killed me if I went home. Dad, I found this at the show. You escaped that. You escaped death, Joe, for that for today. (laughs) Homicide is another one. I love homicide. I love uh, Julius Smokes. I know him as J Train. I have Julius on uh, on Facebook too. Love him. Love homicide. Because other than Johnny's, I used to train at the doghouse all the time too, because it was close to where I lived. And I, that's so I would bounce between Johnny's and Doghouse, Johnny's and Doghouse. I learned, um, again, like low-key, working low-key was my first taste of working somebody that had that international feel. But then when I had started working for LIWF and then going to the Doghouse, like, I learned a lot from Homicide and everything like that. And, like, I actually, um, I used to help out a lot behind the scenes with ICW. Yeah. And when he was thinking about bringing in Homicide, he wanted to bring him in for hardcore stuff because that's all Homicide was getting booked for. And the first time I had ever worked Homicide was in like a tornado, crazy hardcore match, ironically. But I told Jack, I says, Jack, I says, let him wrestle. He goes, really? Can he wrestle? I was like, I was like, he can wrestle. And I says, look, I says, because at, at that day and age, remember the Money Networks was hot. And I was like, look, the only way I can explain it to you is, I was like, his footwork is as good as Dean Malenko's. Oh, wow. And if you watch Homicide's footwork, like, his footwork is amazing. I says, his footwork is as good as Dean Malenko's. He goes, really? I says, really? Trust me. Brought him in, let him wrestle the match. And, like, when he came through, he was like, holy shit. Shit. I says, I told you he can wrestle. I says, he can wrestle. And, and that's how Homicide started getting out of the hardcore stuff and getting to wrestle again. And I remember, like, Homicide actually talked to me. He's like, dude, I want to say thank you. Like, it was around that time I want to say thank you because his body was really, really hurting because that's all anybody was booking him for was hardcore stuff. Or anybody was, and, and that takes a toll on your body. You know, if that's all you're doing, it hurts. And then Homicide was like, you know, he's like, dude, bro, thank you so much for like telling him that I can wrestle because I've been hurting so much and I've been dying to actually wrestle and show people I can wrestle. 
and everything like that. And then he got to do that at the Elks Lodge on Queens Boulevard and everything like that. And they were expecting him to do hardcore stuff. And he came out and he actually wrestled. And it was like, people were like amazed. They were like, holy shit, he can wrestle and everything. So, you know, so, but also in that same vein, I, I, he, I learned a lot from him through the years, timing, footwork, every, I learned so much from him. I, I, I always put homicide up there as like one of my, as, as a teacher, that I, a mentor that I learned from, you know, I, I, Johnny's my teacher, I, but I put like a, you know, Steve Carino is one of my mentors, you know, Simon Diamond is one of my mentors, homicides in that list too. Like I learned so much from homicide and everything like that. And I have nothing but love for him. And he's another one. We have lots of fun. Crack locks of jokes. I never forget um, the last picture that I have of us together. It wasn't the last time we seen each other, but the last like actual picture we have together was I had just told him, I think I, we were having our second or our third kid. And he goes, what? He goes, you're that po-. he's like, you and that Puerto Rican sperm. He goes, get out of here before you get me pregnant next. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, I like, love those guys. You know, Hit Squad, Homicide, all of them. I mean, I go so far back with all of them and everything, and I have nothing but love for those guys. It's, yeah. uh, it's, as I said, the, me and Geek are going to the uh, NYWC show on uh, the 17th, and I said to Geek, you know, like, people do watch our podcast and listen to us. Like, don't be surprised you say something like you would say on your podcast or just randomly say, like, oh, yeah, go through. And a group of kids turn around, all go, "Oh my God, I'll get each other." <laughs> yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going yeah, with glasses on. I'm going with. I'm going to be wearing these and this hat. There you go. Well, I I'm thinking about wearing a college shirt because that's my new thing now. I I would I was going to wear my grandfather's shirt, but I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't want Grandpa to get like mustard on him or get burnt ketchup if I eat a burger on my shirt. Mm-hmm. And but, but I'm, gonna wear the, I'm gonna wear the glasses, even though this these will fuck my eyes up so bad that day. Yeah. Besides Friday, I will be doing multiple different shows. Yeah, I, sadly, I got a message from the girl from Tokyo. She says it's too hard to do a podcast with us because it's too far. So mm. sorry, Geek. Yeah. Too far. Yeah. 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 Right. But uh, um, one more thing before we wrap it up, I guess we huh. could thank you. We could thank you uh, for all the great matches Homicide had. With Joe and Daniel Bryan, because uh, yeah, and God, you know, that, that's that's it. I will never, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad Jack listened to me in that respect and gave him the shot to do that, and everything evolved the way it did. And it, you know, again, I, I I'm just great because again, I always, I always knew how good he was, and I, I wanted people to have a chance to see that. And on top of that, I knew he was hurting. I knew he was in a tremendous amount of pain. And, but like the main thing is again, I just I just wanted people to always see how good he was, and to this day, you know, and like now seeing him back in ROH again, and it just makes me smile because again, I have nothing but love for Homicide and seeing him do what he does, as good as he does, and then it and getting the recognition that he's got finally as one of the best workers in the business, and I'm just I couldn't be happier, couldn't be happier that he's finally recognized as one of the best workers in the business without a doubt. And when he won the title too, and the Ring of Honor oh title, my God, I, was so ha- I, was, I was so happy for him. God, I was so happy for him because it was like so, like they said it then, it was so long overdue. Oh, exactly, and so it, overdue. 
even the stories they were trying to tell, it was, I guess it kind of uh, was it dwindled into uh, real life because he kept getting screwed and screwed. And then he finally, in that New York City show, won to one of the biggest pops in Ring of Honor history. Oh, yeah. And, so. again, it was, and, and, and that was... That was genuine emotion too, you know, with the doghouse guys there and everything. Like that was genuine emotion, man. And like, you know, and every he's touched a lot of wrestlers beyond the doghouse, you know. Like there's guys, you know, from again, you know, the New York scene, you know, between the Johnny Rods and the doghouse guys, we all got to intermingle and know each other, and you know, and so it, I mean, and then when he got to travel everywhere and do all the places to go, and, and people got to see and pick his brain and see how knowledgeable he was and actually see how smooth. I mean, you can't, I mean, I, I to this day, I don't think anybody works the way he works. He's so unique and so smooth in his own way. I've never seen anybody work and move the way he does at all to this day. He's definitely in a category all by himself. Same thing like Loki. I've seen people try to emulate it. There's only one Loki. There's only one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's you can't do it. You know, it's not done that way. The closest to it is Daniel Bryan, and on top of that, Daniel Bryan does it differently than Loki. And and, and oh, fun fact is Loki said Daniel Bryan's the only person that's ever brought it to him harder than he brings it. What about Shibata? Uh, I would say Shibata. Same thing. Shibata's in a class all on his own. Shabazz amazing, by the way. You know, and the guy would legit bust his head open on a headbutt. I, I, I keep telling uh, Joe about that that spot, and I'm like, dude. And he he, he and it wasn't like he did it once. He would do it on a on a regular basis. He would do it on a regular basis. The only other guy I'd ever seen do that was Chris Benoit. Yeah, that that match was, I think, one not. I, I mean, one of the most brutal matches I think I've ever seen. Besides the Samoa Joe and uh, Samoa Joe and Kenta Kabashi match from Ring of Honor, yeah, those two I matches. Mean, uh, in relation to to Loki and uh, and, Amer- and Daniel Bryan, when Daniel Bryan was on the indie scene as a uh, American Dragon, mm-hmm. uh, I was working uh, the Jersey J Cup, and Christopher Daniels was telling us he he worked a tag team match, and this is when they were teaming up of uh, Loki and Daniel Bryan, or if not, they were wrestling everywhere. If they weren't wrestling each other, they were teaming. So Daniel Bryan, I mean, uh, Christopher Daniel says he tells him he wants them to do a, a double kick spot while he's sitting. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, uh, Christopher Daniels called it. So I, I think at the time, Scoot Andrews was his tag team partner. So they put him on and they both back kick him at the same time. <laughs> Daniels breaks kayfabe and goes, why did I ask for this? <laughs> Jeez. Actually, one uh, of the hardest back kicks I one of the hardest kicks to the back I ever took was from um Azriel. If you guys remember Azriel. I, I do remember Azriel, yeah. Bring him Azriel's on, right? Another homicide. He's still out there doing his thing and everything like that. I think Az recently had an AEW dark match too. But um Azriel, like and still young and Azriel back kicked me. And I mean, I'd never been back kicked so hard. That it rattled down to my, the end. Like I felt the, I felt it pulse into my fingertips. Mm. That, that's how hard he, it was. Like literally somebody swinging a baseball bat at me. It's all the way down to the end of my fingertips. That's how hard, I'd never been kicked so hard. And this is a guy that did karate <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and never been kicked so hard. 
I remember the match, uh, Daniel Bryan wrestling Azrael. I think it was at Sports Plus. He wasn't taking him seriously. Like, you know, he was being the chicken shit heel back then. Yeah. And uh, he would uh, he would try to kick uh, Azrael, like, as softly as possible, saying, <laughs> just so uh, he could, uh, like, you know. Like you know the whole, yeah, so. Now, as, as was definitely one of the hardest guys. I've been, another one that was uh, another one of the hardest people I've ever been hit with was, believe it or not, Spike Dudley. When we when it was me, uh, Plasma, who's now known as Trent Beretta and AEW, and Spike, when we worked that um, that three way dance at uh, NYWC, and we fought all, all the way outside the building in the dead of winter and came back. But Spike Dudley was one of the another one of the like hardest people that I've ever been hit by, and then you know I was. I weighed more than him and like, dude, he would hit me with, when he would hit me with them forearm shots in the face, it was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) That's another person that I wonder how we can get in touch with. Cause I, we got, now we, we had Stevie Ray. Now we're going to have Al Snow. I want to know how we can get in touch with him. I would love to Facebook somewhere. Mm -hmm. He Get on that. <laughs> yeah, he's on Facebook he, somewhere. I know that. Everybody is. is. Yeah. It's either that or Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what to look up. Spike Dudley, little Spike. Because, you know, there's a girl. I don't know. Are you have you do you watch any of the old the, the new indies? Like any of the other indie promotions out there? Uh, not much. Uh, I'm on, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I mean, I still I pay attention when it goes on to ECWA because you know, especially around Super Eight time and all like that. It, it still holds my interest, and I still know some, so I still you know, and I and I pay attention to what some of my friends are still doing out there. Like I see what Papa Don's doing, and I see what other people's doing. But in terms of the the grander scheme of like who's really coming up and coming out there, I'm I'm not as in the loop as I used to be, and it's mostly it's not so much of a disinterest. It's more so because of time now. Because like I was mentioning to you guys before uh, we got on the air, it's like I'm you know I'm training somebody at six thirty in the morning and I'm there for an hour, and then after that I'm working out for the next hour. Then after that I come home for a couple hours. Then I go back to the gym and teach a twelve o'clock class. Then I come back home, take my kids, and then I teach from like five o'clock to seven o'clock. So I'm in and out, in and out, in and out, and in and out. So any little moment that I'm home is usually spent trying not to do this. Gotcha. <laughs> and it's it's not um it's not a Monday Monday through Friday thing. It's a Monday through Saturday thing. Oh. So I do this Monday through Saturday. So technically Sunday's my only day off. <laughs> yeah, that girl that I told you about the one the um that one that I showed you with that mask one. Yeah, she. I was watching her stuff before, like an hour before we, we started, because I was watching SmackDown. And then looking at her stuff, she just headbutts. She mm-hmm. just punch, punch, headbutt, headbutt. I'm like, this chick must have brain cells. Like, neener. Hi, can I get a French fry with a shot of onion? Where I am? Well, if you do it right, it's not that bad. The hard part, hardest part of the body is right here. Hardest part of the body, is the top of the head. She's making an order. She's been, she wakes up and she's punching the the the, uh, the McDonald guy in the head. Ma'am, did you do you want French fries? Why are you beating me up? Oh, sorry, I blacked out in the middle of my order. <laughs> it's like that's why I I I think I told you I, I did told you last time we did the show. I I got to get back into writing it again. But I I was doing a wrestling story and I'm gonna have two characters. Oh yeah, so you had I, mentioned this. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get you and Foxy in the story. I'm gonna have you guys 
take me under their wing and make me change my gimmick from me wearing a mask. I remember you were telling me about that. Yeah, I remember you telling me the last time we were on here. Oh, you can't be your grandfather. You have to be yourself. <laughs> That's going to be your line. You can't be your grandfather. Your grandfather was his own thing. You're, you're your own thing. Wrestling has a way of separating everybody from everything else. The funny thing is, it's funny because that you that you say that because when we all get in wrestling, like for those of us that got in, like a lot of people, almost the majority, almost everyone gets in emulating the one that they that gravitated them into into liking it. But then, like as you move on, you start finding your own you start finding your own niche eventually. You know, yeah. like, you know, you start, you start finding, like, influences from other places and everything like that, and, and it ex- it expands and it grows, and, you know, you might pick a little from here, pick a little from there, but then hopefully, eventually, along the way, you find that niche that's you, and that's where it really grows, and that's why, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin became so popular, be- uh, became such a good, because like, after a while, he's just like, you know what, this is me. Turned up to 11. This is me. You know, I was never this guy. I was never that guy. I was never this guy. I mean, he had a, he had an amazing, he had a great run of stunning Steve Austin. It was fantastic. I love Steve Austin. I but there was even... like, there was like touches. There was touches of what he would eventually become while he was in the Hollywood Blondes. It was like a tint of it there because yeah. he was a little bit more himself while he was a Bryant. But, you know, once he became, once he was like cut loose and he just turned it up to 11, that's like, that's that guy. Same thing, you know, I was there when The Rock debuted as Rocky Johnson at Survivor Series. I was there. Wow. But like, if you watch his early stuff, you can kind of see it's, it was very formulaic. He was following the formula of what a good guy should be. And he was doing all the routine stuff and it wasn't really getting over. Until he finally turned heel and he cut loose and let himself, he let his anger come out that he was really feeling, but then he just started letting his real personality come out, and then look, it, it like exploded. You know, same thing. You, know, you, you watch somebody like um like AJ Styles. You know, AJ I knew for years too before. You know, AJ was if you think about it, like was kind of bland for a while until he decided to like just cut loose and be a little goofy and be himself and the real person he is. And you see it shines when you start being that person, it shines. Kevin Owens, same thing. If you go back to his Kevin Steen days, his early rookie days where he's like very clean cut, just whatever. But till he started being him and with his quick wit and the random things that he says, now look at him, you know, (laughs) that's, that's the thing, you know, like what you're looking to do in in your story is very, it's very real in the case for those that that wise enough to discover that in the wrestling business. It's yeah. it's finding yourself, whether yeah. it be an extension of yourself. There's two ways that I've found that it makes it work, and I use them both. It's either A, an extension of yourself and turned up way high, or B, it's a complete 180 of who you actually are and wish you can be, and you let it all out. And that's usually the two ways that it works. And everything like that. That's why I figured I'd put you and Foxy in because you technically are part of my indie wrestling fandom. And like yeah. you're part of what I like about liked about the indies so much that you were got you guys were actual married couple and in the era of no computers, the start of the computer, 
And then people started being so weird to you, but I knew you guys on another level than yeah. everybody else did. Like Geek would see or Lance would know and be like, Joe, you you and Foxy are like buddies. And I'm like, Yeah. So, and then the heel and then the then the heel turn happened. And then he's yeah. like, Is it still that kind of friendship now, Joe? And I'm like, It still is, but it's still now like a quiet friendship. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, Joe, get out of here. It's like, don't say nothing. You're, literally you're, you're ruining it. Right? <laughs> I'm friends with David Copperfield, but I can't say nothing else. <laughs> I, I remember he picked me up for, to go to a show one time, and I was wearing the shirt I made. Do you remember the shirt, Lance? The heart, I heart Foxy shirt? Yeah. You remember? I think everybody in it, that knew it was around me remembered it. I, would, I made the shirt out of a t-shirt, like Plain long neck t shirt. If she really wanted to be the heel, she should have just took it and stepped on it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't give a wearing it. She would have. <laughs> oh, kind of t shirt. Where'd you get this t shirt from Kmart? I can't rip it. <laughs> Mikey's not going to let me in the building. We had this warning. <laughs> I told that. I've already been warned about this. I've already been warned. <laughs> I told. I told Dickie about that story about the Damien, but the the Mikey, and I did the voice. Mm. It's, it's, it's close. It's like, you know, I, I do like the shirt, but I, I, he was like, "Oh my god, you just did the." I was like, "Yeah, I learned that." For, I learned I used, that, to, I, used to, I used to do it all the time too. Actually, is all right. Last story for the road. Last story for all the right. road. All right, you got to go. Uh, <laughs> going up to uh, we're working. Uh, see the Boston or Rhode Island. So uh, in route, had to pick up um, Tony Mama Luke from the airport mm. and everything. Uh, so anybody that's that knows going from like New York, New Jersey to like the New England area is the worst, especially when you're on I-95 going through Connecticut, Connecticut. It's the worst, absolute worst. So we're going up and everything like that. So um, tons and tons and tons of traffic. And Mikey's riding with, I think, Myers and Matthews, Carlkins and Ryder. So I call him up real quick and I says, hey, Mikey, uh, how are you making out for time and everything like that? He goes, well, Damien, right now we're sitting in a whole lot of fucking no movement. What's so fucking ever? So, yeah. How about you next? <laughs> I says, same thing, Mikey. He goes, well, uh. Fuck me up the ass, fuck you up the ass, and I'll see you when we get there. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So, <laughs> so we get up to we get up to the airport, in New England. We, again, we got to pick up Ma- Tony, <coughs> Mama Lou. So um, we go, we pick up Tony, and I guess I guess I don't know if Mikey told him or whatever, but somebody had made Tony privy. Now, this is the first time I'd ever met Tony Mamaluke. This would be the first time of many. But this is the first time I met Tony Mamaluke. I've never met him ever. So he's sitting in the passenger seat. I'm sitting in the back seat. And uh, so I'm sitting right in the middle, and Tony goes, I hear there's somebody in this car that does a hell of a Mikey Whipwreck impersonation. I said, shit. <laughs> I said, that's me. He goes, all right. Let's hear it. 
Come on. I, I, I heard you do the press. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. There's a, Tony's got like a kind of a southern accent. So I, I boom. And I says, well, uh, Tony, let me tell you. It's good to see you in the car. We're going to get to the building. We're going to go in. We're going to do a lot of crazy shit. Okay? And then we're going to have a couple of beers afterwards. Sound good? Okay, good. And so Tony goes, fuck. If I didn't fucking know any better, I swear to God, Mikey Whitworth was sitting in the fucking car. <laughs> he's, he's the other person that I would love to find out if someone could just help us get him on the podcast, Mikey Whitworth. Oh, Tony, I, I have no, I, I have, I haven't seen Tony in years. <laughs> the last time I saw him was when he did a ring save for me. That was about it. That was the last time I saw him. That's it. He's on Instagram, but he doesn't answer anything. Like, I, I, I he retired. He retired. Because he retired mm-hmm. shortly after um, in ECWA, he uh, he um, actually Papa Don had his retirement match. He mm-hmm. did his retirement match with Papa Don, mm-hmm. and Tony took the boots off and everything at ECWA, left him in the ring, and he worked Papa Don. Oh wow! Wow, yeah. So so Papa Don had your retirement match and Tony's retirement match. Yep, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and I guess I, I, that's that's like my one regret. Like I again, I, I I wish him and I had a better match, but just the way that night went. But I mean, again, at the end of the day, it still turned out good for what it needed to be. But I just I knew one, I knew we could do better because we had done better. You guys had seen us do better at NYWC because we had killer matches at NYWC. But I, I, being I requested him, I I asked for him to be my last match. I I want I was like you got to give me Papa Don. I said me and Papa Don was going to tear it up. And I, I, I felt like I let him down so much, and I still kind of carry that, even though we've conversated about it and gotten over it and watched. Because it was like, it was probably about six to eight months before I could watch the D- DVD of our finals match on ECWA. I couldn't watch it. I just was holding it. I just couldn't watch it. I would watch, like, the aftermath, but I could not watch the match. And then we finally spoke, and he's like, no, nah, dude. He's like, he's like, for what the story was building that night, it worked and it fit. It wasn't what we wanted to do, and it didn't come off the way we wanted, but when you watch it back, it fits the night, and it fits the story. And it's not as bad as you think, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. But even still, I still, like, there's still a pinch of me that, you know, but, you know, I, again, I, I have uh, obviously nothing for love for Papa Don if he was the one I asked to be my last match. Is he still wrestling, or? Uh... Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's, he's still wrestling. He's still out there doing it. He's he said he's never. He said he's never going to retire. He's never going to retire. Um, and he's also got his. Uh, he's got his. Uh, he's got his Star Wars podcast too. That's awesome. <laughs> he's a huge Star Wars fan. He's a huge, huge star. So he's got his Star Wars. His weekly Star Wars podcast. Yeah, my, uh, the mod is a huge Star Wars fan. Huge. You have no idea. So. Yeah. So uh, then you got it because he because he, it's like it's him, Stevie Richards, and I forgot who else, but yeah, like him and Stevie Richards are are on that. They did and they do Star Wars every week. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's he's a huge 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 Star Wars fan. If you pay attention to his music, the very beginning of his music is actually a portion of the the Darth Maul theme. You know, so it's that operatic singing. That's yeah. the beginning of uh, Darth Maul. Before it goes into the bow to the Greek god that he had mixed and everything like that. But the beginning portion is Darth Maul. Hmm. Crazy. And everything. So, yeah. 
There's my stories. And we put in another two and a half hours. Yeah. Two and a, two and a yeah. Wow. We actually made it. We made it to two and a half hours. Can, I, can I admit I was nervous. I didn't think I was going to be able to. But again, you know, as we get going, you know, they start they start popping in. Calisified gray matter. Calisified gray matter. They're in there. You want to go longer? You want to go three hours? We'll, go through, we'll do as long as we did for the one for Woods. No, I'm just kidding. No. That was no. Even, that was, next thing I knew, I was like, oh, my God. Like, we've been under here this long. I, I was watching that. I was, I was like, you guys want – I was like, I think I fell asleep watching that one. I'm like, I look at it, and I'm like, dude, they went three and a half hours. I, don't, I, I did not like, I did not know. But like you know, he, we you know we got really like we got like super in depth. So we were like like very 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 in depth because it was also it's like like it was it was crazy because like I he'd been waiting to do that one apparently because like I, he knew of me and my career which I was so honored and everything yeah. like that. So I was like so I, he had like you know a ton of questions to ask yeah. <laughs> since he since he since he hadn't been there like you guys were there in person so you got to live like a good portion of my career. You guys yeah. got to live a good portion of my career. Whereas, like, you know, he got to see it, like, either A, hear about it, or see it on a video or something like that. So, I guess it was, like, he'd been holding out all these years to finally ask these questions and everything. So, it was, like, whoa. <laughs> and he's, he's from L.A., too. He's, like, yeah. the West Coast. So, it's so that's pretty hard, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, crazy, man. I, you know, I, 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 I got I had I had I had him get like freaked out because I was like we were mentioning something about um what's his name? Oh god, Chris Benoit. And I said something I think it was Benoit's birthday or something, and, and he went from <laughs> you shouldn't see the look on his face. Kind but, of a taboo know. topic. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I was, I was there at the you should, you, should have seen, you should have seen um my face. I'm like, did he really just ask that question? Why? And then, and then, and then, I think he tried to cover it up and said, started talking about it. I'm like, okay. So, I thought, I thought that was the end of the interview right there. <laughs> he did the, he was like, he's like, you know, guys, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah, dude, yeah. I yeah, swear, it's kind of a tab- it's definitely a taboo topic for say the I least. Swear, if we ever got a chance to hang out with Woods, it'd be like New York meets California because he'd be like. Because if you close your eyes and you hear Woods' voice, you think he's some kind of like surfer dude with like <laughs> long hair, like the half Justin Bieber. Here we go, visualization, Joe. You think of like, like a half Justin Bieber hair doing this, like Sep dude with the nose, the nose ring. Sep dude, you know, you never know, man. You know, and then you'll be honest, you're like he's like my friend did when the first time he saw Seven Dust. He's black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my friend was at a seven dust concert. Oh the lead singer comes out and he just goes, He's black? And the whole crowd just around him just goes. They all look at him like he was like, I'm like, I'm not racist. I didn't know he was black. <laughs> yeah. Super nice, super, super nice guy, by the way. You know? Oh, yeah. Super the like the man watches every one of our podcasts on Facebook. That's awesome. And shares it. And shares it too. Got to support, support each other, right? It's it's yeah. like anything. Got to support each other. Mm-hmm. We got to We got to We got to let the Arizona supply because I drink these on on air all the time with these things. <laughs> That's it. I got to get an Arizona sponsorship. I'm always drinking these things. On, I, I, wanna, 
I wonder how to get it sponsored by Pop Vinyl so they can finally make the, the Joe Panther Jr. Um, pop Vinyl. Or even Quinones <laughs> Pop Vinyl. Oh, my God. My grandfather was a pop. Ah. Yeah, there you go. Right Everybody's there. got him. I got to get – I have my Zach one. I Actually, there's a place on Long Island. If you ever go back to Oh, God. Oh, the ACDC one. That's cool. Nice. There's but one anyway, that- guys, again, as always, it has been a pleasure. It is late. Oh, and oh, oh God. God. You got the baby Yoda. The baby Yoda. I just got that for my birthday, so. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> Mandalorian right there. So, speaking oh. of Star Wars, you know, but I know you got to go, so, oh, yeah. you know. That's all right. But, yeah, check out, since you're into Star Wars, check out Papa Don's podcast. Definitely, you know. Damien, I want to thank you. Thank you again so much for having me on again. It is always fun and a pleasure and everything like that. It's always a blast. And thank I mean, thank you for helping me get through the, like some memories I haven't thought about or spoken in a long time. So, again, you guys see I've been smiling and laughing the whole way. So, thank you for asking me to do this. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no and, want, and the thing is, we want you to come back. Definitely. <laughs> Round now, three. We'll give round, you a little, let this right. let this one marinate. We'll we'll go for another one though. Well, I'll, write, no, I'll start writing the stories down so I remember them. Yeah, no, 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 no offense, but yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna down the line. We'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah, should try good. to do this. We should try to wait till like wait all the way till like around October. Ah, that and, works. That way, like I said, gives me time to remember them and write them down. <laughs> I, I would say I don't know. If, I don't know if Foxy would be too happy. Geek. We should try to do Halloween with Damien Dragon. Hey, I can't do that. You yeah. gotta go. T- you gotta do trick or treat with the kids, right? Has Has you ever got? <laughs> and on top of that, it's also Foxy and I's wedding anniversary. Oh. Wow. We so, can celebrate yeah, it. We can yeah. give you a nice scent. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, between trick or treating and and then and then and then, and then uh, our our annual Chinese food. Uh, Anniversary thing, yeah. Unfortunately, Halloween, we got to take a bow on that one. I, I yeah. know you got to go, but Pinto actually asked how Foxy's doing. By the way, oh, awesome, awesome. She's been probably she's I don't, probably ready for bed soon, but I know she's been up there playing Assassin's Creed. Uh, <laughs> send our love, tell Foxy we 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 send our love and hope to all the kids that Joe Panther and Metal Geek say hi and absolutely. Have great doing Sunday. good. Stay, stay away from fireworks on Sunday. I'm gonna <laughs> this- try to. Well, I'm staying away from it, but unfortunately, it's been banging outside my uh, my my man cave for the last couple hours. <laughs> Me too. I was getting scared. That's why. That's why I said before. I said the fire. Oh, was it this one or was it the one with the rain? That was. It was this. Was it Raina's or was it this one? I was like, Pens- yeah, it was Pennsylvania's fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was. It was no. It was raining during Raina's fire uh, uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. It was literally raining. I was like, "That's kind of creepy." I went outside the end of the podcast. Well, that's a rust, that's a wrestling name. It's rain. It R A Y H N E. The and nicest artifacts ever heard rain. in my entire life. Her accent <laughs> is so pretty. It's like she didn't say napkin. It's a tissue. He's like. Yeah. Joe, I think I think David signaled that he has to go, Joe. <laughs> no, no, no. Joe, I'm saying that the, the, the oh, I mean, oh, oh. No, like uh, I, I'm surprised you guys can't hear it because they're actually like that loud. Like the MADs are like so loud in my area right now. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't even we don't even hear it on the podcast, which is good, you know. Oh yeah, that's good because it's like it's here they're loud. <laughs> they're loud. Yeah. All right, guys. Again, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. You everybody by the watch. Way. 
talk to you guys soon. Stay disturbed. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, bye. Right. Bye bye. That was fun. That we was made the- it two hours. <laughs> two and a, two hours thirty five minutes. I think that was the longest podcast we ever did. Yeah. I think we went two twenty the last time we talked to him. So, Joe, you want to say, well, I got to say my goodbyes first. So, thank you so much. So, thank you so much to everybody for coming out tonight and coming to chat and talking with us, Damien Dragon. Um, I just want to say also a big announcement for everyone. We actually made it to 300 fans on Facebook. Thank you so much, by the way. Thank you so much. Let's keep it going, though. Let's get to 400, Joe. And you can always donate to us at httpstreamlabs.com slash dudes at ringside. httpstreamlabs.com slash dudes at ringside. Thank you. Take it away, Joe. And as I always say, even though wrestling shows or indie shows are opening up, please go support your local indies. Go on. uh, What's the site? What's the site? What's the say? Come on, Joe. You know the site. Come on. By now, I should be knowing this because I say it every episode. It pro Wrestling Tees. Pro Wrestling Tees. I want Pro Wrestling Tees today and buy a random wrestling shirt. 20% off. 20%, 20% off. off your T-shirts. Today. Canada Day actually was 15. You'll get a T-shirt if for Canada Day or Pro Wrestling Tees and get buy a Raina shirt. You already know think- who she is. Or by Tom, Damien Dragon, Damien Dragon, Dragon. any any of our lovely guests. And as I always say, thank you to my grandfather, thank you to my cousin Keith Sanchez, and thank you to Frank Martinez, the Blue Demon, for lighting the way for all Latino wrestlers. Good night, everybody. Happy Fourth of July.